0: Welcome to the 301st episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout-out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. they are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional... 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently was talking about Fantastic Four, John Byrne's run from the mid-80s. Um, this week, I, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to do an off-my-mind topic. Uh, something that that's, I may, I'm may i sure I've complained, or <laughs> not necessarily complained, I've talked about before, so we'll do that. So some, I sometimes talk about random topics, sometimes uh, r- semi-recent movies, And lots of times comic book stories. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, what about the news? Actually, no, before we get to the news, I'm jumping the gun here. Uh, We're going to do feature big feature spider-man across the spider-verse i think i'm just trying to get the show started so i can start talking about spider-man i'm gonna tell you right now i i love this movie so much so i um i I feel like that's basically what i'm just gonna be saying like over and over again but um, i'll say some other things so we got across the spider-verse um two more episodes of american-born chinese two episodes two episodes of silo did i do two last week i hope i did (laughs) Or maybe I just did one. I don't remember. Uh, We got Superman and Lois, and yeah, I did just did episode three last week. Uh, Superman, Lois, and uh, the season finale of Citadel. So we got all that coming up. Comics and news. But what I often say, and I think this is true, not a whole lot of news this week. I don't. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know why there's, like, no news, maybe because, I mean, San Diego's not until July. Often, you know, news, they, they hold out the big news, you know, for the big shows and stuff like that. A little bit of, like, some Spider-Man news. Amy Pasco and, and Abby Arad are... are Jeez, I don't know anybody's name. I'm surprised I know my name. But they said that, they said a couple things. One, they said that there's a Miles Morales movie. Live-action Miles Morales movie is in the works, which, which is a, in the works. Did I say works? Live-action Miles Morales. So that that is awesome. That is great. And it makes sense. You know, he's such a popular character. He's such an important character. You know, there, there are, are huge reasons why we need Miles. And plus the fact he's always been such a just great character it's one thing if you create a character for diversity's sake, but it's like, he's transcended that. I mean, I I feel like everyone loves miles, you know, and the fact that he is a person of color, uh, you know, or mixed race. I think that that is huge. That's so great because, you know, again, not for me personally, (laughs) um, but there's just a lot of people where that, that, that means a lot that that's important to them. And, and I, I think it's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's great that, you know they can read these stories about someone that looks like them or someone that they can maybe kind of relate to and 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 so forth so it, it's great because you know i always say characters shouldn't just be a bunch of white dudes and uh it, it's important because it's not just white dudes that read comics i'm not a white dude it, it's it's great to ha- to have all this stuff There's, there's always, you know, like my daughter mentioned last week. It's like when she, she didn't really get into it so much, and you know, it was late when we were recording. But like one of the things she was saying is like, okay, it's great to have the diversity and all that, but why not create a new character? So with Miles, yeah, we kind of get a new character, even though he's Spider-Man. So he's new, but he's not new, but he is. But I, I think it's important that that you do that, you know, rather then just my my thing is with like, Dr. Who, Jodie Whittaker, I love her as an actress. I think she's amazing. I wasn't super crazy about Jodie Whittaker becoming a doctor. I was like, okay, you want to make a female Time Lord? Do that. But then when you take an established character, it's like, oh, we're going to gender swap or we're going to change ethnicity, but whatever, you know, it's, it's all entertainment. It's all fiction. So everyone including myself we just need to let go sometimes and it shouldn't be like a huge thing it shouldn't be where people are irate and pitchforks and so just, just get over so we're gonna get my miles morales movies i think that's great my only concern is you know with into the spider-verse the first movie i mean i, I feel like that did such a good job telling the story you don't want to i mean they're gonna want it a touch on it. i mean i guess they don't have to go into his origin i mean they didn't with tom holland so we'll see what they're, what they're going to do with that and, and how it'll be. But what I'm excited about is, uh, so Amy Pascal and, and Abby Arad said that a Spider-Woman movie is also in the works. I'm super excited for this. The only thing, the only problem is which Spider-Woman? You know, are we talking, are we talking Spider-Gwen? Are we talking Jessica Drew? Are we talking Maddie Franklin? Are we talking about any number of other females? Julia Carpenter, well, not Julia Carpenter because she's gonna be in the Madam Web movie, whatever, which if that ever happens, is it still happening? I, don't, I haven't heard anything about that. I hope it's still happening. I'm curious to, to see what, what the heck they're gonna do with that. Uh, but I, I really hope they do a Spider-Gwen and it would make sense. You know, yeah, I, I would love to see a Jessica Drew live action movie. I, I think it'd be so cool. I would want a Jessica Drew Spider Woman to be rooted in the Marvel universe, like with you know the Hydra and Shield or whatever you know connection. But right. I think with Spider Gwen, I, I, there's something about that character. That I just, I, I just adore the character, and maybe it's because you know being a father of a girl, and it's like you know I kind of would want to adopt Gwen and you know take care of her and make sure you know she's well protected and all that, even though she could kick my butt and anyone's butt. I, I just I, there's something about but I, I just really think the character's cool and then maybe it's also because she's a drummer you know she's got that edge and you know we, sometimes we see with the, the, the colored hair the, I think they call it an umbr.o or something like that is that what the style is? Don't I could be totally wrong with that. And and you know so I, I think she's a cool character and with her appearance in the Spider Verse movies and with the Spider Man and Friends whatever animated I, I haven't watched any of that stuff because it's too too young for me. But I'm glad it exists. I I think it could be good to have a Spider-Gwen story. And and it's a it's a tragic story, just like most of these spider characters have, you know, there's a lot of tragedy involved in their origin. And I think it'd be really cool to see a movie with her. Now the thing is, you know, we have Haley Seinfeld voicing Spider Gwen. I love Haley. I think she's such a, a cool actor and just a cool person. Uh, but could she be Spider Gwen? I mean, she could. We all know her as Kate Bishop, obviously, and she was amazing as Kate. You know, then are you going to dye her hair blonde? Uh, mm, I mean, I, it'd be hard for me to say no. I don't want Haley as Spider, as live action Spider Gwen. But I mean, wasn't there like kind of the rumors like Dove Cameron? I mean, Dove is like blonde. And who knows? So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But obviously Sony's going to want to do this. And I think this is, this makes more sense. Instead of doing these uh, like Morbius or um, what's, what was that one that just uh, the, 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 singer dude, I totally, the, the wrestling that might not be happening now. I totally forget the name of the character. Can't even think of it. See that, that's the point. Don't make movies of these obscure characters. Don't, you know, even Craven the Hunter, I'm sure it's going to be cool and everything like that. I, I, it just it seems commercially more viable to do something that's you know like Spider Gwen, Spider Woman, whatever. We'll have to see. So see, yeah, no news. But here I'm rambling on and on about this. Chloe Bennett, which I, I I adore Chloe Bennett too. I think she's such a super cool person. I'm I I feel like I owe her such a debt of gratitude for this like favor that she did for my daughter. You know, my daughter got to meet her and and just. She's just such a nice person, such a cool and funny person. I'm so glad that I've got to interview her so many times for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a strong following. There's a lot of people that, you know, are hoping and praying and demanding that, you know, we we see the return somehow. But she's like, no. Um, She hasn't been approached or asked to be in anything since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ended. And she's not involved with anything that's coming up because, you know, there's a lot of speculations like, oh, she's going to pop up in secret invasion. You know, they're going to have her. They're going to bring her under. But nothing's ever been confirmed. And she's like, no, she's like, hey, would she like to? She's like, yeah, you know, of course, you know, she's you know, it makes sense for her. You know, why wouldn't she want a job, you know, another job or whatever? But she also says, you know, she she really loves the fans because you know they're they're very passionate and you know they've embraced her performance and everything like that. And and you know, say what you will about the show, I, I love the show and I, I will you know say that with my dying breath. But her character has evolved. You know, if you look at how her character was in the first season and how she just over the this course of the show, there's like just so much. You know, she's pretty a complex character for you know a, a comic book TV series. So I, I, it's it's it sucks. I had a strong feeling that she wasn't going to be in, in secret invasion, but there's, you know, a little tiny part of me is like, well, maybe they've managed to keep this a really good secret and we'll be like shocked and surprised, but I'm not going to hold my breath, even though that would be great. And I guess it's not happening. And yeah, she could still be saying that and maybe like, well, guess what? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think they're, you know, with seeing like, oh, here's, Uh, Sam Wilson's Captain America costume, you know, Anthony Mackie is Captain America and stuff leaks out. So I think someone would know Uh, James Wan talked about Aquaman two and about the DCU reset. He's like, yeah, it didn't really affect the movie. Didn't really affect Aquaman too much. He said like some adjustments were made along the way, but basically because the, the character, the story is like so far unattached, dis detached, unattached, Whatever. <laughs> it's so far removed from the main, you, you know, we're talking underwater kingdoms and cities. So it's whatever, who's in a justly, who's Superman? Is it Henry Cavill? Is it someone else? Or, you know, it doesn't really have any impact on when, what's going on there. That's good because, you know, it's not coming out till December 20th, I think, this year. And, you know, so we have the flash coming out. We have to see what's going to happen there. And, you know, there may be some resets or just maybe, it's, you know, who knows? whether flash is going to reset the timeline to, for the next phase, or if it's just going to end, you know, end of the movie and then we just move on to the next thing and just, you know, it's totally separate. I don't know, but, uh, it, it's good to know that it wasn't compromised and that it could still continue. It, it's, it doesn't matter. And, a lot of people are angry. Or, you know, I saw people saying, you know, James Gunn shouldn't have been. They uh, talking about his 10-year plan and recasting, rebooting, because you know that's why no one saw Shazam or Black Adam, and that's a bunch of crap. A lot of people like were boycotting it because they're angry about the Snyderverse. So you're taking it out of that. They've said, you know, Shazam, you know, could return you know, he there hasn't, you know, Zachary Levy hasn't been like, you know, let go. He could be continue to be Shazam if the movie does well at the box office. And the same thing, like Shazam, or I mean Black Adam did not do well. I mean it did not do well at all. So I don't know. And um so yeah, like I said, no news. The last bit of news. I don't know how I feel about this. So Elizabeth Olsen, she seems really cool. Uh, I, I love absolutely love her as Wanda. I, th- I think she's, she's an amazing, she's an amazing actress, you know, just in other things that she's done. And I, I think she's great at Scarlet Witch. I mean, just the emotion, everything that she's played, you know, with, with the, the stuff that her characters had to deal with, she's been, been phenomenal. But she has some advice to new MCU stars. She's like, just sign up for one, you know, or she's like, just give them one. It's like that way you have more control over it, more creative control over the next one. I don't know if, if, I don't know if it works that way. Like, let's say they're going to, I mean, who haven't they, they done so far that we can, can have, I mean, let, let, I was going to say Miles Morales or, um, who's a character at Marvel that we haven't seen. Let's say Richard Ryder, Nova. Okay. Say we're going to do a Nova movie. You're going to sign up, you're auditioning all these people. And then someone's like, Hey, so-and-so do you want to you want to be rich richard Ryder? don't don't call him dick dick grayson you want to be nova the human rocket and you're like yeah that'd be great but i'm only going to sign up for one it's like no you want the job you're going to sign up for x number of movies and you know possible cameos or whatever that's just you know And then they're going to be like, no, I only want to do one. Then they're like, all right, there's like, you know, 57 other people outside the door waiting, hoping to do it. You might be the best person, but you can't call the shots here. You you don't have that, that control. You're auditioning for a job. You're hoping to get that big payday. I get what she, I totally get what she's saying, you know, and, and I don't know if, if actors can get creative, you know, control. Because you, you are the actor, you're the performer, you're not the writer, you're not the director. That being said, yeah, you, know, you want to have some control over that too. Maybe you should get some input, but not necessarily control. The whole Jenna Ortega, she had good, I mean, what she was saying about Wednesday, Adam, that there's like some things that the character wouldn't have said. I get that, but you can't just go when the cameras are rolling and then change the lines because you don't agree with it. As it's just, it's such a touchy subject. You, you should have some discussion and say, I, you know, this is my art. I'm you know committed to this. This doesn't make sense. And then you have to have some sort of discussion. Hopefully everyone's on the same board. And yeah, there's going to be some people who are going to be very protective about the words that they put down. And they're like, wait, you're changing what I, this is my, my blood and guts or whatever. You can't say oh, this sucks. I don't want to read this because this is horrible. You have to have discussion. So, so I don't know We'll we'll see so much up in the air. But that's uh, all that's up in the air for now, because that is the news for the week. At for comic books, did I say that? <laughs> I'm, I'm off, I'm off today. Uh, at comics, uh, guess what? There's stuff I didn't read, and there wasn't some. There wasn't a whole lot of comics. It seems like. I was looking before. I was like, oh, I got to read this because I kind of read some things out of order. I was just like all over the place. Deep Cuts number two came out, and this was, I think, one of the last ones I had to read. Well, that's not true. But I wanted to read this. So this is Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. The first issue, I forget when it took place, but the second issue, it's all about music, which is kind of kind of really cool. And I'd, I'd love to talk to Kyle about this. Like, What, what was the motive behind this I mean this is it's it's so neat that he's doing this I'm so glad that he's able to do this the fact that we get something that's so different it's not just superhero or espionage or science fiction that this is something that there's actual it's it's a story-based comic which you know we don't always get I mean we do get that but you know what I'm saying so this takes place in Chicago 1928 Gail Gelstein has 48 hours to write the biggest jazz hit of all time there's just one problem she doesn't know anything about jazz and we got a rising star artist, Helena Massalis, joins the Deep Cuts team for a whirlwind journey behind the curtains of Broadway. So I'm going to read that. I just didn't read it this week, so my apologies to everyone involved, because I I really like the first one. And, and each issue is like a it's a standalone, so I, I think that that's cool. And then we have uh, Local Man Number Four. This was um, it. Almost felt like this could have been the last issue, but I'm. I think it was said it was to be continued. The premise behind this comic, we have this dude, he was like a, it's kind of like a 90s image superhero. He was on this team. He gets kicked out of the team and basically what it comes down to, it's not really spoiler, but by this point, is he had an affair with one of his teammates who was married to another teammate person. And this caused a lot of controversy. And basically I I think the the dude in charge might've been like the leader, the the, the husband of, or the partner, I think it was a husband. He was like the leader of team. So the dude that cheated with the other one, he gets kicked out of the group and he's just like totally like blacklisted. And they even like put like legal charges against us. Like you cannot operate as, as your superhero persona, you can't use a shield because that's what you use. And, you know, they had, you know, PR team lawyers and all this stuff. So he goes back home and he's like a big disgrace in his hometown. Everyone like hates him because of what he did and, and all this stuff like that. But this one dude, it was kind of like a, a, one of his enemies, you know, a, fight, a sparring partner he's in an area, he ends up getting killed and it's like, wait, and you know, he talks to him before that happened. So he's a suspect for a moment, but he didn't do it. So there's something bigger going on. And you know, he, he can't resist the temptation of like, what the heck is is going on here? Even though he's not supposed to be operating legally, he's not supposed to be operating, doing anything heroic, which is just ridiculous. There's huge developments here. And uh, it's, it's just, it, it gets Gets nuts, so uh, this is this is a really good series. I I highly recommend this. You know, pick track down one, two, and three. There was a second printing for issue three came out this this past week as well. So I would I would recommend that. And I, it turns out also I didn't read torrent number four. I, I yeah I totally forgot about this torrent is Mark Guggenheim. And I forgot about it is like a couple hours ago when I was at lunch, eating my lunch. I was like okay I got to read these comics before I record didn't happen uh so basically with torrent we have a superhero and her family gets killed and then so she wants to go after this villain and everything and and she ends up like revealing her identity and it's just like this big thing but nothing can be done because the 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 super villain in charge is it's kind of like sort of like a lex Luthor thing where he has like all these henchmen and lawyers and everything like that so he's kind of like untouchable where everyone knows he's a horrible person but nothing sticks to him because he doesn't do it himself he's you know too smart for that so it's just it's it i think kind of makes an interesting um dynamic here where it's like okay how do you stop this guy when you can't do anything so I, i think that that's really neat world tree number two this is such a creepy comic And it's it's and it's not really even a creepy comic. It is, but it's not. So this is by James Tynan the fourth. And again, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that. But you know, I've been lucky in my career, you know, going to shows and everything, getting to talk to a lot of these people, you know, interviewing them and just you know seeing them at the shows and everything like that. James is the nicest guy. I love James. I think he's he's so nice. He's so cool, and he's 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 so freaking scary sometimes. The stuff that he writes. It's like James, what are you doing? But because if you talk to him, he's just the funniest, happiest guy, and it's just like, holy crap! How? Where is this coming from? So this is just like a scary book where there's like you know this dark. It's like the whole dark web, underweb or whatever. And there's like some stuff like if you look at it, like it freaks you out. It, it kind of you you start to glitch and you die or you're gonna get killed. And so there's this this kid was affected and he's committed like all these. Uh, He basically became like a serial killer. He's killing these people in the neighborhood. And and part of it, because like when you show people your your device, your screen with this whatever stuff on there, it kind of like freezes them and then, you know, you can kill them or do whatever. So we're you know, trying to investigate what's going on. But then there's this woman involved. It's like how is she tied to this? And she tends to walk around naked for some reason. I guess, you know, she's beyond wearing the need to wear clothes. I think she does put on clothes in this issue at one point. But the the story also goes back is to a group of friends where they kind of unleash this darkness onto the under the dark web or whatever, but then they kind of they manage to lock it up. And then it was like, so I think it's like 10 years or 20 years later. Maybe I forget how long it is where they're realizing that this has been unleashed and they need to get back. And, um, so things, again, there's a lot of tense you know, suspense and it's like, what's going on. And, you know, I, I just think this is a really neat and just kind of freaky, freaky comic. So I, I, I recommend, you know, you, you check this out at DC. There was not Absolutely not a lot at DC It was this was like there's only I think I think there's only four books that came out So there's icon versus hardware issue three, which I, I haven't been I'm not caught up on that So I'm not reading that um, there was a DC pride issue But this is I, I didn't read this because I, I feel like this is gonna be like one of those 80 page or 100 page books I I, I didn't check it out and some of these a lot of time, you know I, I think it's great that they do these so often but a lot of times, and, and I, maybe I need to give him another chance, but when I've read him before, I feel like a lot of the stories just don't have a lot of big impact. It's great to see these different characters. And maybe I'm thinking more like uh, there was a Marvel one that was, there was one book where it felt like every single story was about the, the couples either kissing, making out, or holding hands. And that was like the main focus. It seemed like that's all that happened in the story, really. I think about there's one with like Wiccan and Hulkling, where it's like, that's all they're doing. And I I know I commented about this when that issue came out. I think it's great that you can do that because, you know, even like five years ago or 10 years ago, you wouldn't have that. But my thing is when you have like, okay, we have I guess we can say Spider-Man and Black Hat. We don't like, just constantly see them smooching and, and stuff like that. They're, they're doing other things. They're going on their adventures and getting into trouble or trying to fight crime and, and stuff like that. You may have an occasional this, but I feel like it's more prominent when the characters are gay. And part of it is because you weren't allowed to do that before. And so now that you can, so you know, take advantage of that. I don't know. But to me, it just becomes like where that's the focus I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, I have nothing yet. I I think it's great, but I want more substance to the story versus, okay, we can draw or we can do a story where these, these two dudes or these two women or whatever are kissing in a booth. I don't know. So I could be totally wrong. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. I just didn't get around. I mean, I didn't read everything, but I should have checked that out just to see what was in here detective comics 1072. I just, I haven't, this, it's this story arc. I haven't been able to get into it with this weird history of Gotham and this group, these people with the mask. I don't know. There's something that it's just not clicking for me. And I really don't understand what it is because I, I absolutely love Batman, but there's just something about it. I don't know. And then, uh, there was a power girl special, which I did like this. This, this was, was, was really good. And, um, I really like Power Girl. I th- I think she you know she's been very underused. Uh, you look at Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor's run. I mean that was just like so good, but often you know she it feels like she's just like angry all the time. And and there's you a know, part of it you know her her world was destroyed. She's like been separated from like Superman and Supergirl because, you know, she's Supergirl, but she's not Supergirl. And it's, it's like, you know, she's just kind of alone where you have now, especially, you know, it's something we've been seeing in, in the Superman books where we have the Superman, the super family, but she's not really part of it. She's not one of them. And she feels really alienated by that. And like, you know, she's just really on the outskirts. But like what we're seeing is like, that's not really the case. Like no one really feels like that. You know, they, they want to include her, but it's like, she's just like really, separate herself one of the things that's been weird is she has like these telepathic powers and at first i'm like well, how the heck where did these come from it's like why would she have these turned out it was like from the lazarus rain stuff it's like okay whatever i i get that so we're seeing how some of that develops and and this this issue deals with with a, a lot of that so there there's some follow-up as, as well with that and uh it's uh it's, it's it's good to see so i i i really like what they're doing and i like her costume's been updated a little bit you know she's wearing pants now instead of a skirt and everything she still has the boob window as it's been referred to and uh i i, I just i really like what they're doing with the character and i i hope we do see more of her then at ugh, at marvel <laughs> and what i mean by uh so there's an Aliens comic. I didn't read that, but um, Amazing Spider-Man 26. Okay, um, this whole Mary Jane stuff, this Paul dude. this I'm telling you right now, this is going to be an off my mind coming up soon. I This needs to be addressed at, at some point. We do get some more follow-up with this. Um, so th- there's something, some kind of good things happen that, dealing with that. But as you know, this is an issue where... One shall fall. And it's funny when you look at the cover. So who do we have? We have Mary Jane. We have Paul. We have Norman Osborn. We have, which you can hardly tell, um, Ms. Marvel, Aunt May, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, Black Cat, Captain America, Human Torch. I think this is a beetle. That's probably Randy Robertson, Joe Robertson, uh, Tombstone, White Rabbit, right? And who's this dude? Is it like White Rabbit's henchman? I don't know who this dude is with the goatee. But he has something like that, like one show fall. It's gonna be this dude with the goatee that Tony doesn't know whose name is. Um, this obviously, if you heard anything, if you've ever been on the internet, read any of the, the news sites, it's Kamala Khan. You know, they even have like you know when it was like funeral for a friend type, you know, fallen whatever. And it just it makes no sense. I've been wondering, it's like why is Kamala like an internet Osborne Industries? It doesn't make any sense because she's a high school kid. And it's like, wait, does she even go to school anymore? So I won't go into the, the the how and the why. The the why I I don't understand. I mean I mean I how I guess the how I, I I that I understand, but the why doesn't make sense. It's like why is she even here? And it's just what is the point? I I I did an off of mind about comic book deaths. So I'm not okay. Tony, don't go into that. Don't get you know. Calm down. Don't don't start up on this. I just. But the fact is, and then you, you announce it. You put send out press releases. And yeah, I get that they're trying to boost their sales by saying this is a big issue. Someone's going to die. This person's going to die. But then when it happens, it's like it has like zero impact because it's like you knew it was going to happen. And if anything, it just makes you angry because it's, it's stupid. But I, I need to talk about this Mary Jane stuff at some point. So I think that's going to be an off my mind coming up. Uh, Avengers Beyond Issue Three. The, uh, so we we have Beyond because Beyonders is involved with this, and I'm not really sure like where this story is going. It, it's interesting how we got to the Beyonder being involved. It's like okay, there's that. Um, there's some other aspects that we're kind of learning. You know, that there's some someone that the Beyonder even fears. That makes no sense. I don't like the idea of there being other Beyonders because the Beyonder was the whole universe. So how can there be a race of Beyond? You know, I don't like that whole thing. But we got this story, and um, it was okay. Uh, I'll just say that. Uh, There's there's a Captain Britain, Betsy Braddock. I'm not reading that. Um, Captain America's Symbol of Truth. This is, it's weird. So I didn't even realize this. So this was written by Tochi Onebuchi. Has that been the writer recently? I I don't even know. I thought it was Jackson Lanning. Shoot, I don't even know. But this is continuing the story. I'm, I'm Cold War Part 4. It feels like it's been more than four issues. This is just, it, I'm, I'm kind of over the story already. So we have Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier. He's posing as like, he's evil and part of this, this evil organization. And it's, it's, it gets hard to see, like, is he really evil or is he just trying to infiltrate and do like bad things to get to the bottom to, you know, to get access to everything? That's what he's claiming, but it, it doesn't feel like, it feels like he is evil almost. And then we have Ian, Captain America's son from Dimension Z. Uh, That was back in, I think, Rick Remender's run. And... There, he's been kidnapped. You know, Bucky's kidnapped him, and there's more Dimension Z stuff. Which I wasn't super crazy about Dimension Z. I love Rick Remender, but I didn't love that that stuff. And so, Captain America and Sam Wilson, along with uh, Sharon Carter and Misty, uh, Misty Knight, they're trying to get to the bottom of things. And Captain America's just driven because Ian's his son. He needs to r- rescue his son. But then like Sharon and and Misty get hurt. There's like a big explosion and Sam's like, we got to regroup. We got to take care of him. But Cap's like, I'm going there. I got to go get my son and everything like that. So then Cap and Steve start fighting. And there's, yeah, there's one thing about your allies. You need to look out for your allies. But also like when you're looking at soldiers, you know, yeah, you want to take care of your fallen. But you also need to think about the mission. And, and, or just the fact that, you know, this is, this is Steve's son. And it's not, maybe he's not his biological son that's a whole other thing but he raised him for a while because time passed differently in Dimension Z but it was just a lot of fighting between them two and I'm not a big fan of superhero fighting superhero I just think it's just been so overdone um, we had a Carnage issue but Tony doesn't read Carnage we had Clobbering Time I don't think I read the first two issues uh, so this is Steve's Gross I don't think I read those um, I should check those out there is Deadpool issue 7 I'm I'm kind of I can't get into this anymore. Um, I've been sticking through it. It's been okay, but just Deadpool with his new girlfriend, what's her name, Valentine Wong, and and then he has his, his Deadpool has his baby, this dog symbiote thing, and then all these evil people. Just it's just too much. I mean, there's one thing for Deadpool to be wacky and over the top. But sometimes it's just it's too much, and it and to me it's and it it's it becomes it's not funny anymore. So, I, I I skim through it, and I'm just like, uh, um, Doctor Strange issue three. This was a cool issue because I, as I forget what they call it, I don't think it was Amnesty Day or something day, and uh, Doctor Strange and uh, Dormammu have to like have this parlay where they have to talk and go over through some stuff, and so it's it's interesting. They're, they're not fighting, but, you know, obviously there's like the tension between them two. And, um, and just the fact that for Dormammu to be there, he's inhabiting a human host. And by inhabiting the host, he's going to burn them out. But the person was like willingly letting Dormammu inhabit him. Because like Dr. Strange immediately starts, tries expelling him. But he's like, you can't expel someone if they're willing to, you know, be part of it or, you know, to let him in. Um, but it, there's, there's some cool, cool dynamics in there. There was an Edge of Spider Verse issue two came out. I didn't read this because it's featuring Spinstress and Sky Spider, and I do not care who, who these characters are. They could be the coolest ones, but it's just not for me. Um, Punisher issue, what issue was this? Twelve. I feel like this could be another off my mind thing. This whole series, uh, it's been very interesting. You know, Jason Aaron writes comes up comes up with some some interesting stuff. And um, he's been delving into like, who is Frank Castle? Like his, his past, like before he went to the war and when he came back. So there's a lot of like heavy issues, a lot of heavy stuff. And we have the fact that Frank joined the hand and became this agent of the beast and kind of had these like supernatural abilities, which is crazy. And you know, it's, obviously it's going to be a short lived thing, but then like his wife was resurrected, but then there's just a lot of aspects about the, the family dynamic and everything like that. And, and it's like, who who is the punisher now and everything. And like his motives and, and everything, it's, um, it's kind of a weird, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like there's something I can talk more into where, you know, I would want to spoil it and just, just you know, talk a lot about it. So that may be an upcoming, I mean, let me know if, if that's something you'd want to hear more. I don't want to sit here for like 15, 20 minutes, just talking about the Punisher that has to be separated. I think cause that, that might be too much. Cause it sounds like I could care less about the Punisher. I don't want to hear that. So I don't want to you know, subject that. So, and it gives, it gives people reason to become a patron. You know, you can help support me and get more specific content like that. If that's what you want. Um, one thing that I liked about here is Moon Knight has an appearance there, there are some other characters here and Moon Knight, I really like his, his insight, like what he says and, and how Jason Aaron wrote him. So I, I thought that was really cool. So, um, look forward to that at, at some point. I'll probably talk about that. Um, Silver Surfer Ghost Light Issue 4, I I stopped reading that. I'm not reading the 2099 stuff because I'm Issue 5 already. Holy cow. I did uh, read Star Wars Doctor Aphra 32 because Luke Skywalker is in there. And she finds this holocron with uh, a couple Jedi that we know from, like, the Clone Wars, which was cool and weird to see. So she basically kind of convinces Luke to go with her because she needs a Jedi like a pure heart to access this secret like temple place it's not really a temple it's like some whatever thing and you know for him to go because you know there could be some stuff that he's interested in so they, they kind of have to help each other and she's saying that you know she wants to do the right thing and it you know she's such a, in such a gray area you know she doesn't like Darth Vader And, you know, she has reasons to fear him because she's double-crossed him before and stuff like that. But there's also this power that could be used against him or power that she wouldn't want to fall into his hands. So, you know, there is some, some specific good reasons that she might want to help Luke out. But is she also interested in, you know, payday for herself? So there's some interesting things here. And then Luke's been dealing with some weird stuff where, you know, sometimes the force has been like overwhelming him. It's like, he feels like super amped up and other times like he can barely access it. His lightsaber is also kind of busted where it's not like working. It's not his lightsaber, it's his golden lightsaber that he found. So, you know, he's dealing with that stuff as well. There is Star Wars, Sana Star Wars, Staros issue four. I didn't read this one. Um, I, I think I, I don't remember if I read the third issue or not. So uh, that came out. Then there is a Venom, which I I, lethal protector, but X-Men or X-23 Deadly Regenesis issue three came out. I don't like this. um, This uh, what's, what's her name? Kimora. I don't like her character. And I don't know if it's just because she's so mean and cruel to Laura, but also I just, I feel like she's like too powerful of an evil person where, you know, she's doing all this bad thing where I feel like she like, ex, you know, Laura could take her out, but she's being kidnapped again. And one of the things I'm not super crazy about is that this is like a flashback story, and you know, so this stuff is happening. It's like, wait, we never heard anything about this or any indication. So, is there gonna be any massive repercussions from this or not? So, there's there's always like that that issue. But it's um it's it's an interesting story. I just don't like the hardship that Laura has to go through, which again and i say this all the time you need that otherwise it's going to be a boring story there's nothing to tell so it's it's yes yeah, so i am i'm enjoying it even though it's not the happiest story for her so it's hard to say i'm enjoying it because i don't want to read that but you know what i'm saying and hopefully you know everything that i've been saying because that's all i'm going to say about comics because that is comic books for the week i need a better outro for comics no more comic talk this week All right, and then with Citadel, Season 1, Episode 6, Secrets in the Night Need Early Rains. I don't really understand that title. This is a season finale, so short, sweet, and to the point, I guess. Uh, It starts off Serbia 30 years ago, there's like this, it almost looks like a war hospital or something like that. There's this uh, young kid sitting off to the side, closed captioning, or no, no um, since it's Amazon, if you, you know, the the x-ray, whatever thing, it, it shows you who the characters are if you wanna cheat. And it's young Mason. And you can see, you know, there's, there's a bunch of chaos going on, You know something happened and he's a little banged up. Then it, it goes to Oregon six months later, he's like lying in bed, because we know he's living with his grandma after whatever happened. So grandma opens the curtains like to get him out of bed. And she's like, well, you know, you're living at your grandmother's house, you know, you're not sleeping past noon. And she's like, your father used to sleep until two. and Cause he was nocturnal. And then young Mason, he's like, I miss him. She's like, I do too, every day. And then he's like, is my mom coming back soon? And his grandma's like, she's been traveling, last I heard. So then later he's watching TV as a kid And it's like, it's almost like a Twilight Zone episode or something. I don't know what it is, but this guy's, it's not Twilight Zone. This guy's like getting plastic surgery. And then there's like a, a scene flashback of him telling Nadia how he became a spy. You know, his dad died and his mom left, like he didn't exist. And he's like, Citadel gave me an identity. Not existing was an asset. And she's like, they saw me. So, cause like in this, this movie, this guy got this plastic surgery and he's like, you look different. So I don't know if he was like a spy getting plastic surgery or something like that. But then, you know, so in the flashback, he's in like, a flashback, flashback. Whatever. So he's like, you know, Cytacel gave me identity. Not existing was an asset. They saw me. I met you and I knew who I was. And then there's a close-up of the ring that she left on a table before she left. And then Mason's like flicking his lighter and then he like punches a mirror. Then it cuts to Morocco present day. SUVs so are driving down the road. Mason, Nadia, and Carter are in the back of one. Dahlia's voice says that they're being transported to a hangar outside of, of Fez. They'll be debriefed on a mission under their watch. If they try anything clever, they'll have no choice but to kill the girl, their daughter. And Kyle's like, we need to see the girl. And Dahlia's like, you're in no position to make demands. And he's like, well, we need to know if you know if we're going to even consider what you're asking. So then Dahlia's like, "You have you are, or I'll assure you that she's safe. This dude holds up a phone. And there's like a video. It's either video or live feed of a little girl. And Nadia's like, so they arrive at the hangar. They enter this room and there's one of the, like they have, everyone has these fancy computers that are like see-through screens. You get like zero privacy. So you, you know, every, anywhere, anyone on the other side can see what you're looking at. So it's just it's backwards. It seems like it'd be a little distracting because if you're trying to look at something, I mean, forget trying to watch a movie because you can see straight through unless there's some, I don't know, whatever. So there's a computer near Dolly says that um, their stealth plane will fly them over to the Pacific her man Davik will accompany them and they'll hack into the submarine. They'll have it breached to the surface. Kyle and Davik will make an airborne jump, get inside, retrieve the five nuclear cores from the dead hand missiles, and then bring them to Christoph in Valencia for the exchange. So I'm assuming they know who Kristoff is. I don't even know who she is. That just you know we've seen her, but Nadia's like, she's my daughter. She's like, I'm running this op. I make the jump. And Dolly's like, that's not possible. Then she's like, he is not equipped. Dolly is like, Agent Spence, would you like to acquaint your colleague with reality? So Spence is like, it has to be Mason. It was his red cell mission. And Nadia is like, when was this, or when was it his his red cell mission? And he's like, when you were gone, it's Mason's credentials. He made the jump, installed his bio lock against orders. He's the only one that can access the sub. And, and Kyle's like, you wanna tell me what a red cell mission is? Nadia just like scoffs and like curses because she's like, my my daughter's life is hanging in the balance of this dude who doesn't know anything. So there's a flashback to Red Cell Mission. Eight years ago, Grace is giving a, a briefing, whatever it says. Operation Bright Wall has been Red Cell authorized, so their target is Russia's dead hand sub. They're going to install their own backdoor security lock in case the Russians ever launched their own nuclear weapons on at a so- so sovereign target. It'll allow any Citadel agent access, which seems kind of risky, like any Citadel agent. So she, she kind of scolds Mason because he seems to be distracted. And then he's like, if you think someone would be better for a job, he's like, I'm happy to sit this Snow. He's like, maybe you should call Nadia, bring her back in. He's like, really, you should call her. I don't have that option at my disposal, but I imagine you do. So he's clearly just thinking about Nadia, you know, she's gone and he knows, you know, they got to know where she's at. But, you know, they're not saying anything. So then after the briefing, he tells Grace that if he does this, he wants something in return. And she's like, I'm sorry. She's like, you must have us confused with being in, you know, some sort of negotiation. He's like, there's no op without me. And Grace is like, Nadia's gone. Deal with it. He's like, you know where she is. Grace is like, she's in Berlin. He's like, she's not in Berlin. And again, she's like, she's in Berlin. Where is she, Grace? So then it cuts to Morocco present day. Kyle asks, you know, what does he do after he gets access to sub? Carter says that he'll have to manually override the controls of the nuclear cores. Nadia stops Kyle, you know, as they're walking and she's like, I hope you're up for this. Because again, it's her kid. So they get on a plane. So then it cuts back to the Red Cell mission. Eight years ago, Mason's on a plane. He jumps, parachutes down, lands on the sub, adds a Citadel disc to this um, little pop-up thing that comes up to lock in the biometrics. Then he goes offline and Carter like tries calling him Mason puts this other like device on there, and then it, it's like automated. This automated voice says, secondary protocol interrupt, activated. And he's like, Kilo Lima, bravo, Juliet, one, two, five. Then he calls back and he's like, there's a frequency glitch. He's like, Are you receiving? So then he's like, I'm ready for pickup. So then it cuts to North Pacific Ocean, present day. Nadia's sitting, she's you know, probably nervous. Carter says, dead uh, hand subs been located. Kyle walks up in his jumpsuit, Nadia like offers to fix something like on his collar or whatever. Then he's like, why didn't I deserve to know about Asha? And she's like, you don't wanna do this right now, Kyle. He's like, why not? And she's like, because you need to focus on the jump. This other door opens and Davik walks in. Kyle you know, doesn't say anything. Um, Carter is trying to get it, the sub to breach. So this other door opens, Davik walks in. He tells Kyle, he's like, you better be ready. So they're over to the target. Kyle jumps out. Davik you know, jumps out shortly after. They're going down. Kyle's like, I don't see anything. You know, they're, they're falling, falling. And Carter's like trying to get the sub to breach, but it's like it's taking a bit or whatever. It's not responding. So now he's like, he's moving too fast. Then the sub pops up. So Carter's like, you're getting too low You know, to play shoot now. So he lands kind of hard, but he, he still gets on there because, you know, he, he told him how, like, how to straighten up and everything like that. But, you know, he... He bangs into the, like the top part of the sub and the, then the tether line is shot out. It was almost like it was automatic or something like that. But, you know, he still, he bangs on the top and he like falls into the water. Davik lands on top and he then he like looks at him. He gives his hand to pull Kyle up because he, you know, he has to help him. The access panel's open. Carter uh, tells him to put his thumb on the reader. It identifies him. The hatch opens. Then Davik's like, that's all I need you for. He, like, picks up his chute and, like, kind of throws in air. So then, like, the wind kind of pulls it and pulls Kyle back. But his tether is still hooked on, so he doesn't really go that far. Then Davik takes out his knife, cuts the tether. Mason flies back, but hits, like, the, the back fin of the sub. And his chute kind of gets gets hooked. And then Kyle's, you know, he banged his head, and he's just, like, hanging there. So Nadia's like, I'm heading down there. Then uh, this dude comes up to her. And on, on the plane, he's like, stand down. She hits him with like the shoot backpack and then she takes his gun. And she shoots him. And then there's like, like three other, she, th- she shoots all three of them. And Carter is like sitting at the computer console where he's like, you know, that was a pilot, right? And she's like, tell me she flies herself. And Carter's like, I, I got it. Go. <laughs> David, he's inside. He's about a control screen or something like that. Then he calls Dahlia and she's like, status report. And he's like, did you really think you could kill my brother without any repercussion? He's like, you listen closely. The five deadhead missiles are locked on the Manticore family compounds, Mexico City, Florence, Maricel, Beijing, and Berlin. And she's like, what what are you doing? He says that he wants a seat at the table. He's like, do that. I give you your warheads. If not, if not, you're gonna watch Manticore burn. So Kyle's still knocked out, still hanging. Carter was like calling him and said, Carter, wake up. Or he's like, Mason, wake up, wake up. You know, and. He finally does wake up, so I guess it worked. <laughs> then Carter tells him Davick just started that head launch sequence, so he needs to get to course now. Dahlia's talking to Davik. she's like, well, the answer is burn, because we do not negotiate with traitors, and because you are a dense, pathetic ape. She's like, you understand we hacked the steering mechanism in that ship. So before the ballistic warheads could even take flight, I would send the submarine plummeting inverted into the depths of the Mariana Trench, where you would be vaporized by the very weapons of mass destruction with which you have so woefully tried to threaten me. She's like, goodbye, Davik. So Kyle comes up to him, like, with his gun out. And he's like, didn't go the way you wanted? And Davik's like, I thought I killed you already. So he moves towards Kyle. Because you know what's Kyle going to do? Because you know he's he's probably not going to shoot. And Nadia jumps out, smashes him in the face with like a fire extinguisher, and she's like, "You were supposed to actually pull the trigger." And Kyle's like, "Did you just parachute down here?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm amazing." So she's like, "Carter, how do I cancel the launch?" He says that he can't hack the system. Dolly initiated like an override, so the only way to stop it is to get to the the cores now. He's like, make sure you grab the temperature regulator cause it's all, you know, it has to be like this precise temperature. So she has to raise her body temp to match the room. So 106 degrees, our system will detect her heat signature and it'll lock down the warheads. So her temperature starts going up. She's in, she has four minutes to launch. So each missile should be act- deactivated once she removes a core. So remove all five before um, anything launches and the crisis is, a- is averted. If she doesn't boil alive beforehand because again, her temperature is now like at 106. So she opens the panel, she moves apart, one down. Davik wakes up. They didn't like tie him or anything like that. Kyle's like, he's like, don't move. Davik stands up and he says that he imagined his life was too soft. He charges at him. Kyle like tries shooting, but he, he, I think he might've shot him in the hand as as Davik's like going for his gun, but he like knocks it out of Kyle's hand, but obviously his hand's like been injured. Davik like, punches punches and flips kyle over then he like swings a hammer down i don't know where he got the hammer from like kyle, but kyle manages to move out of the way he gets flung into like some c- computer screen so kyle's not doing so well nadia hears like crash she's like what was that and carter's like just focus on you know and he's like don't worry about it he's so at this point she has four down she has less than 90 seconds left and then he's like your heart is getting closer to 350 bpm he's like you have to finish this before you black out kyle gets up Dodges a punch. He gets hit (laughs) with the next punch. He gets head butted. He gets he's then he uh, Davik's like choking him So he the carters like you have to fight back But you know, he's getting choked Nadia's unscrewing the panel and then she starts to falter. So then this alarm goes off She's like what was that? So Carter's like it's a final launch countdown. You have 20 seconds So Carter's amazing how he's talking to both of them because I'm assuming he's talking to to Kyle and Nadia on two different channels so he must be switching back and forth which again not impossible, but (laughs) so carter tells um kyle he's like backstop erases your memories but it doesn't erase your skills and then he's like 10 seconds nadia (laughs) on a different channel so she gets the panel open five seconds she pulls out the the part and then she falls launch disabled so she did it then carter's like kyle listen to me you are still mason kane so he's like starting to black out from being choked he's like get up now fight back Kyle opens his eyes and he's like, Rah! he stabs Davick in a leg or something like that, punches, um, punches him, deflects other punches, punches, stabs, then stabs him in the chest with a knife. And Carter's like, you have to get to Nadia. She's, she's coding. So Nadia crawls out of the missile room and Carter tells him, he's like, I, you have a vial of adrenaline in your suit. He's like, jab, jab her now or her, or her heart stops. So he does that. It's starting to work. Heart rate's back to normal. And then, then Carter's like, Kyle, I have Russian bombers 60 miles out, fast approaching. They, they head up top, a rope comes out, and Kyle wraps it around them, and they get away. So I guess Dabik stayed on the sub. Um, at Citadel U.S. headquarters eight years ago, Mason walks in. Grace goes to intercept him, and she's like, what the hell did you do out there? He's like, completed res- Red Cell mission. She's like, you went dark on us. Kyle says, dead hand is locked down. She's like, then why doesn't Citadel have operational control of the missiles? And he's like, because I do. I use a secondary protocol interrupt. Only I can unlock it. I'll give it to you right now if you tell me where she is. Grace pauses and she sighs. She's like, I told you. She's in Berlin. And she's like, do you think I'm lying to you? He's like, yes, I do. She's like, then we're at an impasse. You need to speak to someone, anyone. I don't care who, but you need help. You have lost her. You understand? He starts walking away. And she's like, if you're not careful, you're going to lose yourself too. So then 30 miles from Valencia, present day, they're in the plane. They're getting ready to meet with Christoph. They get to Valencia. Carter goes up high. He's like, start climbing this like structure thing. Kyle and Nadia are walking to the the meet point. Dahlia picks him up on a monitor, tells Christoph that they're coming from like the south entrance or something like that. They have the cores with them. they have like a little bag with them. and she says that she hopes that this pleases the family. And Kristoff's like, your associate Davik nearly threatened our entire mission. Let's get the cores and see how pleased they are with you. So Carter sets up a sniper rifle. Kristoff, so it sounds like, I hope this goes well. Hope you know what you're doing, Carter. Kristoff and two goons come out to meet them. Nadi's like, where's my girl? Then you hear this car approach, this dude like up above on this other, like like over, over landing up top. He carries her out and he pulls pulls a hood off her head. And Kristoff's like, "Now, Decors." So Carter's like, "I got the shot." So is he gonna shoot Kristoff? The goon with Asha's like holding a gun to her head. So it's like, "Okay, what are you gonna do here?" Kyle steps forward with the case with with Decors and Dahlia stupidly is like, "Do not hand over that child until you verify Decors. If anything goes awry, drop her." It's like, okay, really, Dahlia, you need to, whatever. So dude scans the core. Then in Spanish, he's like, they've been encrypted. He's like, they've done something to them. Christoph says, I knew you would try to be clever. Then it's like, once Mason Kane, always Mason Kane. So there's a flashback of him putting in the interrupt. And Christoph's like, unlock the weapons or she dies. And he's like, I don't know how, but I'll find a way. And she's like, you think I'm bluffing? I will kill her. And he's like Mason's Cain. Mason Kane's in here somewhere. He's like, do what you want to get him out of me. Just let the girl go. And Nadia whispers, she's like Carter, take it. So Carter shoots the dude with the gun, with holding Asha. Asha screams, she's falling now because the dude was hang- was holding her over like the ledge. So Kyle runs <laughs> and he perfectly catches Asha. Nadia shoots the goons. Uh, the, the cores drop. Kristoff gets away, but they have the cores. They have Asha. So Kyle's like holding Asha. He sets her down. She looks at Nadia as she like walks up to her. And she's like, hi. And she like, Nadia says that and she hugs her and she cries. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she looks at Kyle. She's like, thank you. So then it cuts to London eight years ago. Orlick is with uh, Mason and he's like, well, the things we do for family, right? He talks about Joe and his daughter. She's eight, going on 18. She wants to get her ears pierced and. Mason's like, so, and, and, or Bernard's like, that's the gateway. He's like, I just want to tuck her away where no one can hurt her. He's like, when you have kids, you do anything to keep them safe. So then he hands Mason an envelope. He looks in there, there's pictures of Nadia sitting, like holding baby Asha. He's like, what am I looking at? And Bernard's like, well, I went to that address in Spain that you gave me and Nadia was there. And so was she, that's your daughter. And Mason's like, that's why Nadia left to have a baby. Our baby and then Bernard's like there's also a round-trip it round-trip ticket to Spain, you know for 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 him and Mason's like clearly she's made her decision and Bernard's like what you were so desperate to find her and now you're not gonna go Mason's like she didn't think I was good enough to be the kid's father and Bernard's like no 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 No, he's like you prove her wrong. You have to fight for your family So Mason's like so I fight a Valencia then what Beg her to be part of this kid's life and Bernard, like matter of fact, he's like, yeah, that's what you do. In the present day, on a plane, I don't know if it's the same plane. Is They own the plane now. There's no tracking or anything on the plane. So Asha's like, asked, she's like, where did they take Nana? So that was her grandfather. Nadia's like, I don't know, sweetheart, but I'm going to find him. And Asha's like, will he be okay? And Nadia's like, your grandfather's the toughest person I ever met. And she's like, if there's any way of getting back to you, he's going to find it. Then Asha says that that's what he used to say about her. And then um, she like looks at Kyle and Nadia just like hugs Asha. So I don't know. I don't know if they told her. I don't think she knows that Kyle is her dad. So Dolly's like sitting in a dark this lady, Billy comes in. She's like, Kristoff didn't answer my call. Dolly's like, it's too quiet. Billy asks, will there be repercussions for failure? Dolly's like, there are always repercussions. The key is to adapt before they arrive. They can't kill what's already dead. Then we see her like a car driving away from her house. The house blows up and Dahlia's in the backseat. So she faked her death. Like, that's going to be good enough. They're going to trick her. Do they have a body? I don't know. At Citadel U.S. headquarters, they land. So the place is trashed. So there's definitely like a fire fight there. Asha's asks, where, where are they? And Nadia's like, this used to be our home. And then after some time, you know, they're, they're getting like power up and running or something like that. Then Kyle hears Hendricks call out, Dad! At first I'm like, wait, is this a flashback or something like that? She runs up to him, so they arrive there too. He takes her in his arm. Nadia's just like staring. And then Abby comes up to him. Abby, Celeste, Brielle, whatever. So she comes up, and she gives him like this big kiss. And Carter whispers to Nadia, he's like, how is that his wife? Because he knows that she's with Celeste, that she got backstopped. And Nadia... Um, gets a quick flashback of Celeste. Kyle introduces them to everyone. He's like, This is Abby and Hendrix. Nadia is just like, Hi. Abby thanks her for keeping him safe. And she's like, Of course. Then Carter calls Kyle over. He has his activation file. He's like, Bernard had me create a backup server. So I recoded it to your genetic profile. And Abby's like, What are you saying? And Nadia's like, he figured out how to bring Mason back. And there's like a long pause. Then Kyle and Abby are, I think they're like in the old conference room. And she's like, so you're really gonna do it? He's like, I have to. And she's like, why? He's like, because I don't know who I am. She's like, yes, you do. You're Kyle Conroy. You're a father, you're my husband. He's like, that's not gonna change. And she just like looks away. But it's like, he he, he has a right to know. (laughs) So they get the bottle ready. Carter says, he's like, okay, you're good to go. And Kyle's like, time for me to meet Mason Kane. Carter sticks the, the needle, the vial in the back of his neck. He's flooded with the memories of his childhood. And he sees like Nadia, Celeste, punching the mirror, looking at photos of Nadia and Asha being on a train, Nadia saying that they've been set up. Then he's like wide-eyed and Nadia walks up to him, but he, he gets up out of, the, out of the chair. So he has all his memories back. He goes into like the interrogation room. And then he's like back to the memories of getting the photo from Bernard. Then he says, you know, thanks for the intel as he hands the envelope back. And Bernard's like, why are you thanking me for it? He's like, I only looked where you told me to look. He's like, how did you know where she was? So then we get a new memory. So this is eight years ago. Mason walks up to Dahlia. She's like drinking lemonade outside her house by the pool. And he's like, you look different than on TV. And she's like, oh, they pile on makeup like a clown. She's like, I hate it. And he's like, I've watched you all these years. It's amazing what you've accomplished, who you've become. And she's like, not without sacrifices. So at this point, it's like, okay, something's going on. Remember what I said about who I, uh, whatever. And she's like, and you, I wouldn't even know where to look. Not when your trade is being a ghost, but you do look just like him. So Mason's like, I've come for a favor. You once said that if I ever needed a one, he's like, I could call in. He's like, I need to find someone, a woman. So Dahlia laughs. She's like, why is a spy coming to see a diplomat to find a woman? And she's like, isn't this the kind of thing the diplomat hires a spy to do? And Kyle's like, she's a spy too. And Dahlia's like, ah, Citadel won't tell you where she is. He's like, it's complicated. Dahlia's like, what's her name? So he's like, Nadia Sin. And she's like, do you love her? And then he's like, she's my wife. But it's like, I don't did they get, actually get married? Maybe they did, I don't know. Then Dolly's like, then I'll find her for you. He's like, thank you. So she continues. It's devastating to lose a person you love most. I woke up from a dream when the first explosion hit. He was next to me, Thomas, already in flames. I tried to put it out. And she's like, they grafted from every part of me. And she pulls up like her shirt sleeves. It was like, they reorganized me, randomized and different until I became another woman altogether. So it's like, you kind of see, okay, you know where this is going, right? And she's like, and yet this different woman still carries the same awful memories. So Kyle's like, after it happened, why didn't you go home? And she's like, do you want the truth? He's like, I do. She's like, after it happened, I wasn't the same person any longer. It wasn't my home any longer. And he's like, what about your son? What about him? Was he yours any longer? Am I still yours, mother? Dun, dun, dun. I was like, what the heck? Dahlia is Mason Kane's mom which is kind of silly, but it makes perfect sense. She smiles a little bit. She's like, there's my boy. I thought that you must have just lost it over the years because his accent changes. He's like, I didn't lose it. I buried it. She's like, the queen's English isn't something you bury. I didn't realize you chose to become someone new altogether to give up who you were. He's like, like you did? So he looks at at her and and then he like speaks with an English accent. He's like, what are you talking about? She's like they take the people we love most. And he's like, they didn't take her. And she's like, I meant your father. And then he looks at her and speaks with English accents. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's not an English accent. She's like, they said it was a far right Serbian terror cell that set off two car bombs led by a man. And he's like Stinkovic, I know. She's like, a few years ago, I met a former diplomat in Serbia who drunk one night tells me that the ballistics report from that awful day revealed that it wasn't a car bomb that destroyed a building, but three air missiles. Stankovic uh, didn't have the resources for drone strikes. So I looked deeper and there was a communique between Citadel and NATO stating Citadel's intent to launch airstrikes on a Serbian terror cell. But the thing is, they had the wrong coordinates. So instead of decimating a terrorist compound, they killed 157 men, women, children and infants. All of them, UN workers and their families. And Kyle's like, they wouldn't. And she's like, well, then how do you explain the documents, the missives and the confessions that Citadel blackmailed NATO, the CIA, the UN, all to cover up the bombings? They knew, Mason, everyone knew. Yet the world left an unchecked, amoral, murderous spy agency get away with taking the man I loved for me to watch as he lay burning to death with you in the other room. But you can stop it, Mason. You have access to Citadel's secret. Use it to bring Citadel into the light and finally hold them accountable for what they've done. Give me Citadel's secrets, and I'll bring it to the high court in the UK and open an investigation into the crime and misdemeanors of Citadel writ large. So she's like, we can finally get justice for your father, for you. And how many more times are they gonna get away with taking the people we love before we do something? Then later, Dolly is like, I've transferred the list. All Citadel agents, real identities, whereabouts, take them out. So Mason gave her access or something like that. I can't imagine that he knew to full extent. I i don't know. So then we see numerous scenes of agents getting killed all over the place. Then we see the train. Then Bernard telling Kyle that you know, they were betrayed by one of their own. And after you know more closer to the present. then a man over the phone asked dahlia where she got the info and she's like mason kane so everyone or someone other people other than dahlia know that mason kane ratted him out so then and he must know all this too obviously if he gave her the information so he's standing in an interrogation room and we see nadia walk in but then it's like oh no no she's actually on the other side of the 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 one-way mirror Abby actually walks in behind Kyle or Mason, and she's like, do you remember? And he turns, he walks towards her, and he's like, I don't know. He gives her a hug as Nadia watches like from behind him now, and then she just like turns around, and Mason looks up, and we just see like kind of like a dark stare, and that's the end. So, <laughs> called it. This is kind of what, um, this is what I figured would be perfect not necessarily perfect, but the fact that Mason, who's like the super agent, he was actually the mole, but Kyle, you know, Kyle's doing the right thing, doing everything that he can. And then now he has to realize that he was the big jerk that caused a downfall of everything. And it's like, well, what's he going to do with this information now? He knows he did something bad, but he, the, the genie is out of the bottle or whatever. So he can't do anything about it. So it's just, it's a, uh, it's kind of crazy. And, uh, like, when Nadia finds out, when anyone finds out, it's like he's screwed. So uh, it's 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 pretty bad, bad news bears. Um, so we are getting a second season. Thank goodness. Other that would be that would suck if that was the end. The only question is when. Because after they started showing like scenes, I was like, oh, wait, they announced it you know, already? We got scenes from season two. But then it's like, wait, who are these people? Who's this lady? Who's this other dude? And what's going on? And I was, then I was like, no, they're not going to do a season two with completely different characters and just ignore this. But then it's like Citadel Diana, the spy verse expands in 2024. So I'm like, what the heck does this mean? So does this mean... So we're getting this the Citadel Diana 2024. Does this mean we're not going to get Citadel Season 2 in 2024? I mean, maybe it'll be late 2024. Maybe, but is it going to be 2025? How long did these shows make or take to make? I don't know. But it, it was good. So, you know, it's not necessarily my favorite show, but I think it has enough cool elements, you know, because it's a spy in, intrigue and, you know, there's a mystery and, you know, bombshells and... So now it's like, what's gonna happen next? So I, I enjoyed the season. So I, I recommend it if, if you haven't, if you haven't watched it and you've been spoiling, that's that's your your whatever, but you should watch it. All right, with uh, Superman and Lois, episode, season three, episode 10, <laughs> the collision course. I, I can never, I always wanna say the episode before the season, collision course. So Lois goes through her last round of chemo, uh, she talks about, you know, cancer being the fight of her life. And, you know, we see her in, in her chair and Clark's like, you did it. And she's like, we did it. So she goes to ring the bell. You know, um, she says, that, you know, cancer does just affect a person, affects the whole family. And it's because of her family that she's standing there today. So screw cancer. they all say that. And she rings the bell up, up on the, the patio or whatever. Then, then we see her at the farm. There's a bunch of the, the Mannheim files are there. So, you know, she's going to start working more on it she looks at the newspaper article with the secret wife of Bruno Mannheim article. And, and she says that, you know, she still doesn't think publishing it was the right idea. You know, she doesn't feel right about it, but you know, it's, it's already done. Clark says that after the Henry Miller attack, they didn't really have a choice because they, they needed to put pressure on Bruno. And she says that it's it's not working because he still hasn't returned the stuff that he stole and pay is just dying. Clark says that, you know, he doesn't like it either, but her dad, you know, Sam won't, won't budge on this and he barely agreed to let Mateo visit. So I guess, that we didn't know about this. That Mateo's gonna get to visit his mom, which is is nice. Maybe. Then she says, you know, maybe her her dad'll change his mind if she can get a confession out of Paya. And Clark's like, you know, she hasn't spoken a word since the arrest. Lois's like, well, she might to me. You know, if nothing else, I can say what I want to say to her. And she's like, you want to come? he's like "Uh, i think i'm gonna stay he's like i haven't spent much time with the boys lately she's like that's a good idea she's like do something fun so lana comes in the kitchen she asks the girls her thought on she's wearing like this red blazer it kind of looks burgundy or whatever and so he's like you look pretty and sarah's like oh i like the dress better but lana says that you know she wants to red because you know red is supposed to be like a leadership color she wants to look like a leader for the governor and, you know, because Governor Kerry Wexler is like a big deal and this could lead to other things, you know, maybe like state senator or Congress and all this stuff. And she's like, regardless, it's a chance for Smallville to get some good press. Sarah asks, she's like, is Gazette going to cover the event? And Lana's like, yeah, Chrissy's going to be there. And Sarah's like, won't that be weird? And Lana's like, it'll be fine. She's like, you know, the relationship shouldn't come up. And then so she heads off. Uh, Sophie is going to go with her abuela, or whatever. And then Sarah gets a text from George Dean Jr. And it's like, still want to be friends? Senior kegger at fairgrounds. You should hang or you should come hang or something like that. So Chrissy is on her laptop at Kyle's and she says that with the stall in the Mannheim investigation, there's barely enough story to fill out tomorrow's paper. And Kyle's like, well, you could always just use AP stuff. She's like, yeah. And then she's like, maybe the meeting with Governor Wexler would, you know, give her 2000 words. And he's like, well, I may have something. So he shows her photos of like the ice that appeared after like the fire extinguished. He's like, the same thing happened last year at the town hall. He's like, someone in Smallville has powers. And he's like, I think that's what you should be writing about. She looks at him, because obviously you know, she, she knows what's going on. And she's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, she's like, I can't publish any of this. He's like, seriously? She's like, you have no proof. He's like, this is proof. She's like, it looks like like Freon, like a refrigerator probably burst or something. He's like, it's not. He's like, I was there. Chris, she's like, well, even if this is real, All this person has done is help. So why go to all the trouble, expose them? And that right there is kind of, you know, it's, it's, she's putting herself in a kind of sticky situation. She knows the truth, but like a real journalist would be like, what the heck is going on and would want to go after it. But she can't because she's in on a secret. And, you know, she, he's like, after everything we've been through in Smallville, it's like, don't you think we deserve to know the truth? He's like, I may not be a journalist, but I think this is really a big story. And she's like, you know, how about I be the judge of that? And he's like, okay, find it. And he's just like, he's upset and he like leaves the room. Then we see at the farm, the boys are playing video game football. Clark walks in. He's like, hey, I was thinking the three of us could do something fun, like a movie or fly somewhere. They're just like glued to the game. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And he's like, is there anything you want to do? And George's like, oh, not really. And, you know, he's barely acknowledging. him. Then Clark's like, okay, how about I come up with something and we do that. And Jonathan like barely hears him. He's like, yeah, sure. So then... After Clark leaves, Jonathan gets a text about it's a senior kegger at the old fairgrounds. He's like, like, oh, we should go. Jordan's like, oh, uh, we don't really have any friends who are seniors. And Jonathan's like, we'll make friends. He's like, besides, Sarah's going. because. And <laughs> Jordan's like, Sarah texted you? He's like, yeah, because A, we're friends. And B, you won't start barfing out how much you're in love with her. So Jonathan, Jonathan says the fairgrounds are so far out of town that maybe Candace can make the drive down in time. And Jordan's like, oh, but we just made plans with that. And Jonathan's like, so what? He cancels on us all the time for Superman stuff. Which isn't quite the same. Mateo's getting dressed to see his mom. He's, you know, putting on his bow tie, whatever that you know she liked. Bruno calls him over to his office and gives him like some cufflinks. And Mateo's like, Oh, I wish you were coming too. Bruno says it's better this way, because then he can be alone with his mother. And Matteo's like nervous. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, Your mother is dying. She needs you. We both do then we see the boys are in a kitchen jonathan's he's like oh don't worry because you know jordan's like like reluctant about saying no to their dad johnson's like oh i'll let him down easily clark zooms in big grin who wants to wrangle and tangle he's like ah! he's like tonight russell rumble 40 metropolis no holds barred and they're like looking at him and Jonathan's like uh, you, you bought a shirt? He's like, yeah, bam, the bulldozer. He's like, come on, we used to go all the time when we lived in Metropolis. And the boys are just kind of like looking around. Jordan's like, good luck, John. <laughs> so he's like, uh, that sounds cool, but we already have plans. And Clark's like, I thought we had plans. Then Jonathan's like, well, something come up. He's like, Candace is going to come down, and we're going to go hang with her and Sarah. Clark says, he's like, well, then bring the girls. And they like look at him like, the bring the girls to wrestling. And he's like, Yeah, I just thought we could do something fun. And Jonathan's like, Yeah, we can real soon and they just leave him there in the kitchen. And he's sad. Sam tells Lois at the DOD that he doesn't think that she's gonna get the results she wants with Paya. Lois says, She's like, Well, I have to make this right. And he says that he's afraid that she's not long for this world. And Lois is like, That's why it's time for her to come clean. So she he says that in his experience, a person who keeps a secret long enough, you know, that the the truth becomes lost even to them. So Lois goes in a room. The force field thing goes down. Pea, like looks over and she's disappointed. She's like, oh, I thought you'd be Mateo. And she looks really like in bad shape. I mean, the, the, the makeup and everything they did and her acting was was just really, really good here. So she's like, I thought you'd be Mateo. And Lois is like, just me for now. She's like, are you comfortable? And Peya's like, as much as I can be. She's like, the doctors here have some really good painkiller. And Lois like, smiles at that. And she's like, you all done with chemo? And Lois is like, yeah, I rang the bell and everything. It's like, my mas- mas- mastectomy is in two two days or something like that. is like, are you feeling nervous? Lois is like, I was a mess. I feel better now still. And is like, yeah, it's hard to put in words. Lois says, she's like, I miss having you there to talk to. And is like, guess cancer does make strange bedfellows. Lois says, which is why I wanted to give you the opportunity to set the record straight. She takes her phone out. Pay sighs. Lois is like, just just hear me out. Things are going to get written about you no matter what. This is your one chance to tell your side of the story. And Pea's like, what's that story? Superpowered monster who's been running wild in Hobbs Bay? Lois is like, is that really how you see yourself? Because the woman I know is a lot more complicated than that. She's a devoted wife, a loving mother, a friend. She's like, let me tell your story, Pea. I promise I'll be fair. She's a big breath and she sighs. She looks at Lois. She's like, okay. And Lois hits the record button. So Lana exits her car and Chrissy comes out. She's like, oh, I'm glad you're here. And Lana's like, yeah, the governor will be here any minute. Chrissy's like, we need to talk about Kyle. There's a problem. Lana's like, yeah, and now it's your problem. She's like, I've been supportive of this relationship, but I'm not gonna be tech support. Chrissy's like, no, it's actually about, and she's, Lana's like, she's here. And she walks over to the governor's car. But Chrissy whispers like, the secret. So she wants to talk to her about what Kyle's like thinking about with the, with the, the powers. So the governor thanks Lana for having her. And she's like, oh, I hope you don't mind. I let the press know. And then she's like, oh, I see you have your own. And Lana's like, "Yeah, hey, you know Chrissy Beppo from the Smallville Gazette? And the governor's like, the newspaper debt disagreed with my school tax bill? And Chrissy just looks at her like, hmm. So then uh, she asks Lana, she's like, walk me through what happened here. So at the kegger, Jordan congratulates Jonathan for being the first person to rip Superman's heart out. And then they, they're walking, in there and Candace is there, so they hug. Then they start smooching. Jordan's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go find Sarah." So there's a lot of people sitting around, drinking, talking, smooching. Then he sees Sarah. She's talking to, to George Jr. So he goes up to her and he, like stands right next to her while she's talking to George Jr. And he's telling her a story. And Jordan like awkwardly keeps interrupting, asking stupid questions that don't really matter. And then George is like immediately annoyed. And Sarah's like, "Hey, why don't you go grab a beer while Junior finishes his story?" And he's just like, "Oh." Clark shows up to the DOD. Sam's like, "I thought you're hanging with the boys." And Clark says, "Something came up, and he, you know, he finally got some time off." And Sam's like, "They're teenage boys. You know, they don't want to hang out with the boring old dad, even if he's, you know, who." He's like, J- "You know, just be glad that they they don't hate you. For most of us, that's considered a win." Clark's like, "How's it going in there?" And Sam's like, "There's a lot of backstory, mostly feeling sorry for herself. He's like, "But." I think Lois is about to get her on the hook. So he pushes a button and then they can listen in. So Lois like, did Boss Moxie ever find out about you and Bruno? She's like, no. Lois says, he must have been suspicious though. Pei is like, hard to say. We weren't dating long before Boss was murdered by Lex Luthor. Lois says, I see. She's like, I listened to Luther's confession again. And I don't think it was him on the tape. I think it was you. Pei is like, he had a motive. Lois is like, so did you and Bruno. The way Moxie and his men were murdered, your powers did that. I don't know what you're talking about. Lois says, it's the only thing that makes sense, Pea. You and Bruno killed Moxie to take over Hobbes Bay and used Luther as your fall guy. Pea's like, have you ever been alone in the room with Lex Luthor? He has this aura. It's terrifying. Like you're in the presence of the devil himself. To this day, that is the only man in the world who scares me. Lois says, but he didn't kill Moxie or his men. You did. I can tell you about a dozen other crimes that are far worse than he did. And Lois is like, Paya. And Paya like, don't do this, Lois. Lois says, I helped put a man behind bars for a crime he didn't commit. And the world's better for it. Lex Luthor was a monster before he went to prison. Can you imagine what he's become since? Setting him free would be the biggest mistake of your life. And Lois says, that's not a denial. We're done here. And she's like, Paya, please tell me the truth. Thanks for visiting, Lois. Don't come back. Then at the kegger, Jordan tries getting some beer, but the keg is tapped. So Sarah's like, hands up. She's like, here, take this. He takes it and drinks. And she's like, okay, can you not do the whole sad boy thing? And he's like, that guy, Junior, he's a dick. And Sarah's like, his dad was murdered. Cut him some slack. He's still a dick. So Sarah's like, so is this what being friends with you is like? Just getting pissy because I'm talking to another guy? That's not it. Then what is it? You just looked annoyed that I came and talked to you. And Sarah's like, you barged in on our conversation while he was telling a story. You shooed me away. And she's like, oh my God, get over yourself. Stop making me feel weird whenever I'm around. He's like, you know, sometimes I wish I never fell in love with you. And she's like, that makes two of us. And she walks away. It's like, Jordan, way to go. So Lana's telling the governor how she's making plans to fix Main Street, you know, they're walking by like all the shops, you know, bought insurance, rural disaster funds, working with the businesses impacted most, all this stuff like that. So the governor is impressed with the little community that she has. And Lana's like, I've been here my whole life for a reason. So the governor says, that, well, it's, it's easy when you have good leadership. And she comments, she's like, you're a single mom, right? And Lana's like, yeah, you know, just recently. And the governor's like, let me guess, he got bored and traded you in for a young floozy. And Chrissy's like right there, like because they're following. You know, she's reporting. Lana's about the protest, but the governor's like, "Oh, don't be embarrassed." Same thing happened to me. Best thing ever. Turns out that the cheating sob was holding me back. And you know, Chrissy again is just like listening in. So John asks Candace if he's heard from her dad, and she's like, "Oh, he's called a few times. You know, she thinks he's in Kansas City or something." It's not the first time he's vanished. Then she's like, "How's the fire station?" He's like, "Uh, it's fine." She's like, "The last time we talked about it, you're so excited." So, is there anything wrong he's like no, no no you know mr cushing is just you know want, thinks i should take a break or slow slow down jordan's just moping around then he sees sarah laughing drinking and talking to junior some more then he goes by john and candace whatever but then he hears something with like super hearing it's police sirens but it's only like a second before they actually show up so it's like either his hearing's not very good it doesn't really help up so people start running because the police are there George gets in Lana's car. He's like, this will be my second underage drinking. And she's like, you're not getting caught. So she speeds away and she's driving with her lights off to make sure they're not being followed. The junior, you know, they finally, they drive a distance. He's like, oh, you're like a badass getaway driver. So she turns on her lights and there's a deer in the road. It's like, oh, this part, this part's so bad. So she swerves, the car skids and then goes off the side, starts flipping like, and then, they're like zoom, zoomed out of there before it hits the ground and starts flipping some more and then smacks into like a tree, like hard. So, Jordan apparently put on his costume and snatched them out. And you know, Sarah looks up and she sees him. Junior turns around and he sees him too. And then choo, he like takes off because then there's like some sirens coming. So, then he's like, Some guy with superpower saved us. And you know, the police are like almost there. So then later, the I think I don't know if she's a sheriff. Or, she looks like she had a sheriff's badge, but I think she's a deputy. But whatever. So she tells Kyle that that Sarah tried getting away with her lights off, but didn't expect a deer when she turned them on. And Kyle's like, Sarah, what the hell were you thinking? And the sheriff or the deputy tells him that she's willing to drop the fleeing the scene charges, but driving under influence. She's like, the department can't overlook that. So it's like she's like, we're gonna charge her with a DUI. And Kyle's like her mother and I will make sure something like this never happens again. And then the officer, she's like, you know, they were lucky no one was hurt. People usually don't walk away from something like this. And junior steps forward. He's like, because somebody saved us. And Sarah's like junior and the, the sheriff's like, like not this again. And Kyle's like, what's this about? So junior says, all right, before they crashed, there was a blur and then suddenly they're on a side of the road. And then when he looked up, there was some guy standing there. And when the, the sheriff arrived, he, he just vanished. And then Kyle's like, "Did you see any of this, there? And she's like, "No." And Junior's like, "There's no way you 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 know that they could have gotten out, and you know it." And then he, Kyle's like, "Mija, what happened?" And she's like, "I'm sorry." I was like, "I have no idea what he's talking about." And she's like, "I don't, Dad." And then Junior, um, Kyle's like, "Do you think you can describe this somebody to me?" So at the DOD, Lois tells Clark not to let it bother him. You know, teenagers uh, want to be with their friends more than their parents. He's like, "Yeah, but." I loved hanging out with my mom when I was their age. And she like tries not smirking. She's like, it's one of the many reasons I love you. So he comments how you know people say it's easier when you know, kids get older. She's like, our main job as parents is to put ourselves out of a job. And he's like, yeah. So then she asks if, if uh, he thinks Pea is right about Luther, You know that the world's better off with him in prison if he's innocent. Clark's like, it's not up to, to us to decide. And you know, so she has to admit what's what's going on you know it's pay, it has to admit it so then sam comes in and says Mateo Mannheim has arrived you know should they send him in and lois like give me a few more minutes with paya first so then clark hears it dad where are you i need to talk to you and then he zooms off so at the farm clark zooms he's like is everything all right and jordan's like oh i really screwed up he's like i think somebody might have seen me over at, at deacon's road and clark's like okay slow down And Jordan's like, Sarah and George Jr., they got in a car wreck, and I swooped in to save them, and George might have seen me after. And Clark's like, okay, well, first, was anyone hurt? He's like, no, and I had my goggles on, so I don't think he even saw my face. So Clark's like, okay, okay, you did the right thing. He's like, whatever Jr. thinks he saw, we can deal with that later. And then he's like, why do you smell like beer? Jordan's like, okay, there was this party, and I had maybe half a beer at most. You were at a party? He's like, yeah, it, it sort of just came up. And Clark's like, was this before or after you and John canceled our plans? He's like, does it matter? I mean, I saved two people's lives. I was like, okay, try and brag now. So Clark's like, yeah. And you also lied to my face so you could go drink at some party. I I told you it was nothing. Oh, it's enough to get you and John grounded. You can't be serious right now. He's like, and you giving me attitude, you're going to make it worse. Oh, whatever. And then he's like, excuse me? This isn't about me having a beer. This is about John and I, we don't want to hang out with you. And he's like, Jordan, go up to your room. Yeah, I'd rather be up there than watch some stupid wrestling match. And he's like, right now. Jordan is such a jerk. So then at the diner, the governor is talking, was sitting with with Lana and she's like, I can't believe Superman actually endorsed you. And Lana's like, yeah, you know, worlds were emerging. It was a weird situation. The governor's like the biggest endorsement I got my first term was a rancher from at Belleville and it turned out he was selling psychedelic mushroom to kids at K state and Chrissy like at the next table, she's like, you can't seriously be talking about diamond Dave Carlson. And then she's like, I, I mean, I did some reporting on the story. C- crazy, crazy stuff. And then she's like, sips her coffee. Lana kind of smiles. And then Kyle like walks in, Chrissy's like about to get up, but then she sits. And as she whispers, to Lana, it's for you. So Lana excused herself and the governor's like, who is that anyways? And Chrissy's like, oh, just her ex-husband. And the governor's like, why did you get up then? You know, why'd you get up first? But it's like, she had her back, just so like the door open, so you get up to see who it is. Maybe she's expecting someone else. And then she saws Kyle, so she sat down. It's like nosy governor. Kyle's, he's like, oh, sorry to pull you away. He, and, and then right at that moment, a squad car is pulling out outside with Sarah in the backseat. <laughs> and, and you know, she's looking out the window. And He's like, first, first off, Sarah's okay. And she's like, what happened? Kyle's like, she was drinking, total her car. Deputy Johnson's charging with a DUI. She agreed to release her in our custody, and I thought it'd be best to handle this on the United Front. Lana's like, okay, all right. And she's like, I just need a moment. So the governor asks Chrissy, she's like, is that Mayor Lang's daughter? And Chrissy's like, I'm, I'm not really sure. So Lana comes up and apologizes. The governor's like, is everything all right? And Lana's like, just a small matter I have to handle. So the governor, I'm not sure how the governor took this, but she's like, looks like you have your hands full. Good luck. And then Solana walks away, and then the governor talks to her, like her aide, about you know getting the car. So then Chrissy leans over. She's like, she really is a fantastic mayor. The governor like barely acknowledges her, like Chrissy, and then she just turns back to her aide. But it's like good for Chrissy, at least you know trying to stick up for for Lana. Payad then asks Lois because she goes back and she's like, what's wrong with you? I thought if anyone could understand you would. Why won't you just let me die in peace? Lois is like, you need to let me help you. By setting Luther free? And Lois says, this isn't about him. This is about what kind of example you're setting for Mateo. Do not use my son as leverage. Lois says, you lied to him his whole life. I am a good mom. But is that what he's going to remember? Or is it all the things that he's going to read about you? All the people that you've hurt. Mateo knows my heart. But you've hidden so much from him. He must have so many questions. And Peo's like, I never wanted him involved in any of this. The life, the mistakes I made. It was also he wouldn't have to make those kind of choices. And Lois like, Mateo deserves to know the truth. Show your son you have regrets and let that be part of your legacies. And she's like, I can't. Lois's like, Yes, you can. No, not without seeing him. It's important he hears it from me first. Lois's like, Then you'll tell me everything, even about Luther. And Ped nods. So then Lois looks in the mirror and she's like, Send him in. Ped's like, He's here. Lois says, make this right with your son. We can talk after. So then she's like, can you take off my restraints so I can hug my son? Lois looks at the mirror and nods. The door opens. She's like, sweetheart. He's like, hey, mom. So Sarah says, you know, they're sitting in the kitchen. She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, I wasn't planning on driving. But then it's like, how was she gonna get home? She's like, the sheriff came and everything happened so fast and we just, and Lana's like drove drunk. She's like, I wasn't drunk. Lana's like, we are not going to debate how drunk you were. You had alcohol in your system, and you got behind a wheel. That is never okay. So Sarah's like, I know, I know I messed up. And Carl's like, yeah, you're damn right you did. Lana's like, I am so disappointed in you right now. And Carl's like, what if something would have happened to you, Sarah? Or Junior, huh? The two of you should be dead. And Sarah's like, Dad? And he's like, and you still haven't been straight with me about what happened out there. And Lana's like, what do you mean? Sarah's like, dad thinks some superhero rescued us from the crash. And Lana's like, who, Superman? And Sarah's like, no, someone else. And June, or Kyle's like, Junior said he saw somebody. And then Lana's like, Kyle? And Kyle's like, if you'd seen the accident, you'd know that that's the only thing that makes sense. Lana's like, why would Sarah be lying? And Kyle's like, why would Junior? Look, something happened out there, I know it did. So Lana looks at Sarah, and she knows, you know, she's she's put two and two together. Then she looks at Kyle, she's like, I don't know what you want me to say. And he's like, okay, Lana. He's like, you know what, you handle this cause I don't want to be around either one of y'all right now. And he's like, storms out. <laughs> it's like, boo-hoo, Kyle, cause you, you can't get your way. No one agrees that there's something, even though he's right. Pay is like talking to Mateo. She comments that he was like, oh, you figured out how to tie your bow tie. And he's like, yeah, it wasn't easy without you. He's like, none of this is. And she's like, I'm just glad you're here. And he's like, me too. And she's like, about that night at Little Aces, he's like, mom, you don't have to do this. It's important. I need you to know the truth. And Mateo's like, I talked to dad, he told me everything. And she's like, what do you mean everything? He's like, I know what he's been working on, the cure. And she's like, oh Mateo, I love your father, but he's desperate. And Mateo's like, no, it works. And he takes off a cuff link and it, the cuffling has like a needle in it. And he's, then he's like, he's going to stick in her arm. He's like, that's why I'm here. Dad says it wouldn't, wouldn't take long for it to kick in. And then after you can find us at the place where it all started. Oh boy. So Lois isn't like really paying attention to what's going on. She's talking to Clark and, and she's like, a month is a little extreme. Clark's like, he lied to me about, about, and he was drinking. Then, then he's like, fine. He's grounded for two weeks, no powers, no fortress. And Lois like, we'll talk about it when I get home. What did Jonathan have to say? And Clark's like, he's not back yet. And she's like, he was drinking? And Clark's like, I don't know. She's like, you need to find him, Clark. Then he's like, okay, wait. And he like listens. He's like, he just pulled up. I was like, I'll call you back. So then he goes like, he's like, Jonathan, zips down from, from the stairs, grabs the keys out of his hand. He's like, if you were drinking and driving, we are selling that truck. And Jonathan's like, I wasn't drinking, but you were at a party he's like where i drink water it's like if i was drinking you'd be able to super smell it or something he's like okay well your brother was drinking johnson's like okay so do you want me to apologize for him now he's like look after everything that happened last year there's no way i'd be drinking and driving he's like you don't have to worry about that so as as clark's like okay okay he's like i believe you but you lied to me about the party and johnson's like okay sure maybe we should have told you about that but we were just trying not to hurt your feelings and he's like, I just think it's important that you know, we, we spend time together. You know, you grew up so fast. And Jonathan's like, okay, you're the one who's always busy. Like, We can't just sit around and wait for you to have free time, especially since I haven't seen Candice in like a month. He's like, that's not how it works. And he's like, can I have my keys back now? And he's just like, Clark holds him out. And he's like, thank you. And he's just like heads inside, which is kind of a little rude, I think. Sam tells Lois, he's like, oh, the kid finally left. She's like, this is your last chance to get that confession. He's like, you sure you don't want me to come in you know, with you? And Lois like, she thinks it's better that she does this alone. So inside Lois is like, I'm glad you got to see Mateo. She's like, I know this won't be easy, but you promised to be honest about Luther. And is like, that was before. And Lois is like, before what? She turns and looks at Lois and she clearly looks healthier. She's like, before I got better. So Lois sees a cufflink on the floor and Pea gets up out of the chair because she's not strapped in. She's like, you're going to help me get out of here, Lois. And she's like, take me out of here. Sam looks over by the window and then Lois like screams something, but he can't hear it because the volume's turned off. And Pea like turns and she screams at the window. Sam ducks, but the the window shatters, explodes like over on top of him. Then Pea turns to Lois. She's like, get me out of here now or I'll bring this whole building down. Clark's like trying to call Lois. He gets her voicemail and then he hears Kyle pull up. He's like, he's like, Kyle. And then outside Kyle's like, is John in there? And Clark's like, yeah, he's upstairs. He's like, I need to talk to him. It's about Sarah. And Clark's like, everything okay? Kyle's like, luckily, yeah, because of him. And Clark's like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. He's like, I'm pretty sure you do. So upstairs, Jonathan and Jordan are in a bedroom. And John's like, what's, what's Mr. Cushing saying? And George's like he thinks you have superpowers, and Jonathan's like me. So Peya is like blasting security cameras as they walk down the hall. It's like you're leaving a trail. Like everyone's gonna know where you're at. And Lois, like you realize you 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 made your son an accomplice. He's part of this now. And she's like it doesn't matter. We'll protect him. So she wants Lois open this like handprint scanner lock, and she's like I can't. She's like you're gonna do it. She's like I don't have access and then she's like what's behind us these doors and she's like it's a control room that you know leads outside or something like that and she's like if you blow those doors down it'll set off all the alarms and superman will be here in seconds then paya looks at, at lois and she's like i really wish things had been different another life we would have been great friends and lois like paya please she's like sorry lois and then she starts like like warming up and the soldiers inside the control room they start to hear a noise their ears are starting to hurt the doors blow open. They go flying inside. Lois gets knocked back, which is like, okay, is that going to be good after her chemo? And then um, more screaming and smashing, and everything's just like trash in there. So Kyle says to Clark, he's like, you know, he's like, Jonathan was at a party. And Clark's like, so were a lot of kids. So Kyle mentions the you other know, things that, that happened like last season, whatever. And he's like, come on, Kent. He's like, I know he's got powers. Everything started when your family moved here, and John's been at the center of all of this. Then Clark hears what's happening at the DOD. He's like, Kyle, you need to leave. He's like, no, I'm not leaving until I get answers. And Clark's like, we'll talk about this later. We can talk about this now. And Clark's like, I have to go. So he goes to like walk past him, but then Kyle like puts his arm out to stop him, which you know he has to pretend it stops him. And Kyle's like, just tell me the truth. And then the boys come out onto the porch because I don't know if Jordan could hear what's going on. And he's like, I know it was him. And he like moves towards the boys. And Clark's like, no, it wasn't. And he's just holding out two fingers and totally stops Kyle and kind of sends him back a step. And he just like stares at, at Clark because, and he's still holding his two fingers out. He's like, go home, Kyle. I'll explain it all to you tomorrow. Just takes off and Kyle just like looks up. He's like, holy crap. So he goes up and, and, you know, he starts listening. There's like screaming all over the place. So then he knows it must be Paya because you know, she's like trying to trick him again. He zips to the DOD. Soldiers are you know trying to recover, trying to get up. Lois walks in, you know, kind of helping Sam and she's like, Superman? And he's like, Pea, And Lois like she's gone. So Lois is fine, thank goodness. Sam has like a few cuts on his face, but he's okay. Then we see Matteo standing in the basement lab. He's still in his suit. And Bruno comes up to him, puts his hand on his shoulder, and then Pea comes down like the back stairs. And then she hugs Mateo. Then Bruno and she's like, You did it. He's like, We did it. And it's a family hug. So Mateo's evil now, I guess. And that, that's, that's the end of it. So three episodes left. Whew. But now that stuff with Kyle, that's crazy. Okay, then Silo, season one, episode four, Truth. So it's interesting, you know, listening to the audiobook, and I'm going really slow with the book, just listening to it in very short bursts because I don't want to spoil too much. And I'm, I'm really... I'm really nervous about how much of the book I should listen to. I'm on chapter eight. And what's interesting is it starts off different. It kind of starts off right away with, with Holston going outside. It skips over the whole part with Allison, with the whole, like trying to get pregnant and with her talking to George and everything. We don't get any of that. We don't see uh Holston and, and Marge go down to talk to Julia. We don't get any of that, which is just weird. But as we know, Oh, the, the difference is, Marnes actually suggests Juliet to be the sheriff, and and, and you'll see. And, and as I talk about this episode, he's not super crazy about it. It seems like, and because uh, he mentions to the mayor that they, him and Holston, they worked on a case a couple years ago, and she she was a big help. So it's just like whoa, it's just like really weird. So, anyways, uh, episode four, truth. Uh, we get a flashback to when Juliet was a child. We see a kid sick, it's like her brother. Mom tells her to get the oxygen. Dad's like getting ready to do something. She grabs like a stuffed animal to put in her brother's hand and then his heart study he comes to and they're like, what's your name? And he's like, Jacob and whatever. And she's like, who am I? Like, You're your mom. What's your sister's name? Jerk face. And they all smile and laugh or something like that. Then um, it cuts to the present. Someone runs up to Juliet like, "Like, are you Nichols? And they're like, there's been an accident she was a uh, standing outside medical where her dad probably is, but you know, she didn't want to go in. So she goes to the mayor's office and, and you know, before she enters, she hears someone talking about wanting a little discretion. So Bernard Marnes and Sims are, are inside and they all, you know, Sims is from judicial common. Um, they say, you know, it's bad enough that when word gets out, she's dead. And he's like add murder to that. And the situation might become unmanageable. Juliet sees a, like a body covered in sheet on the floor. Marnes talks about wanting a list of all criminal activity from, you know, certain levels, you know, from the past, whatever. And Bernard's like, what is that going to do? And Sim says that Marnes believes that she was poisoned by someone in the mids. And Marnes says that it's rat poison. He's like, I've seen it before. He's like, you can't taste it or smell it. You know, whoever did it, did it last night when we were at the deputy station. So this is interesting. that They mentioned rat poison. Cause I kind of wondered, it's like, wouldn't there be a lot of rats in a silo and we don't see it. There's no been no mention of them. Cause you know, would they actually try eating them? Um, but you definitely wanna keep them from ruining wires and eating your food. Martin says that you know they went for a walk, someone wants to poison their bottles, and he Bernard's like, what are you talking about? So he had to explain that when you go for a walk, he's like, have you ever gone for a walk in a silo? And I thought at first he meant walking with someone you liked, but he's like, when you, you go for a walk, you reach for the other person's bottle instead of your own, because it's easier than you know, reaching your backpack. So he's like, if Ruths hadn't had a leak, I'd be lying on the floor too. Cause you know, she, her, her bottle was leaking. So they were both drank out of his. And then Bernard's like, you're saying she wasn't a target. And then Marn gets pissed. He's like, don't say she, you don't say she about her. He's like, that's mayor Ruth Johns. She carried every level, every election for the past 40 years. There wasn't a soul from top to bottom. Didn't love her. So he's just like, so distraught. So Sims tells that he's like, you'll have the list before daybreak. He's like, we just ask whatever you do, you do it quietly. So then Bernard, he's like, Miss Nichols. And Marne's at first, I wasn't sure who said this, but Marne's really is like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Bernard says that he had a porter retrieve her as she's soon to be their sheriff. So it's like, wait, why would you call her when you didn't want her there? So Marne's like, well, she ain't going to be sheriff till she's sworn in. And he says, he's like, I'm aware of that, but given the situation, I thought it'd be best to get her her here right away. So Marnes is like rude and saying he's like, Well, she won't know what to do. Then Bernard introduces himself as head of IT and extends his hand. She's like, I know who you are. And he's like, in accordance with the pact, I am now to be mayor pro tem, at least until an election. He's like, As soon as I'm sworn in, I'll come up and swear you into your new role as well. He asks if she's if she'd head over to the sheriff's department and then she like stares at Marnes. he's like on his knees by the mayor's side. And it's weird. Like the, the kind of look that he gives her or she gives him like they give each other. So Juliet looks the flashback she looks at her brother stuffy. She puts it like on his bed. So I guess at this point her mom and her brother are dead. So we get a little time jump, whatever. And dad's like, he's like, Oh, you're gonna have to eat in the cafeteria or at school today. He's like, I gotta be down at the clinic early again. And she's like, She's like, when are you gonna fix you know, this chair or whatever? He's like, oh, I think it's unfixable. Then he says that he needs her to do him a favor. Mom and Jacob's st- stuff are long overdue in recycling. He's like, if we hang it on- onto it any lo- longer, they'll come in- and we don't want that, right? And she's like, no. Then he's like, after school, pick up some crates and pack up their things. And she's like, everything? And he's like, Jules, we can't keep things that could be used by someone else, all right? And he says that, he's like, I'll walk you halfway. So then in the present, she swings by the cafeteria and it appears to be night outside according to screen. She sees someone sitting there and I don't know why she just looks at him. And I don't know if she's thinking that he looks like George from behind or anything like that. But then this lady calls out asking if she's Nichols. So it's Sandy, the, like the sheriff receptionist or whatever her role is. She takes her to the office and she shows her, you know, her office now, gives her the key plus um, the key to Holston's apartment. And then she says, ask for her measurements and she'll get at least one uniform by tomorrow. She's like, but if you bleed or sweat through that one, you'll be wearing it all week. And then she sees that she has Holston's badge and she's like, that's Holston's. And Juliet's like, yeah. She's like, you can give it to me and you'll get yours when you're sworn in. And Julia's like, no, I'll keep it. <laughs> Cause he gave it to her. She asks if there's any food and Sandy says the cafeteria opens at five. And she's, Julia's like, any food now? And she's like, there's a grab and go, you know, you know, three levels down. She's like, I was told to stock the fridge in the apartment, but I have no idea what you people eat down deep, which is kind of rude. So Julia's like, children mostly, sometimes each other. Then she asks like, what's like, and there's this one cabinet, she's like, what's in there? And Sandy's like, firearms, restricted items. And Julia's like, files. And she's like, some. And Julia's like, and the combination. And she's like, after you're sworn in. And she's like, right, listen, I don't know if your issue is with me or just with anybody from the bottom 50, but I'm finding this. And she's like, what are the files you want? And she's like, just one, George Wilkins, mechanical. So then she's like, look, I get a note from the mayor that says, clean out Holston's office, Nichols is coming. I don't know who you are or why you're here. And she's like, you haven't asked. And then Sandy's like, I don't give a damn. She's like, the only way I survived this week is by following instructions and I don't need... So Julie cuts her off. She's like, I'm Holston's replacement which I'm guessing makes me your boss, yeah? She's like, I'm from Down Deep. I eat the same poop you eat, maybe with a little more salt. She's like, are we done with that? Great. Now, can you please get me to Wilkins File? So she starts going, and, and then she's like, can you get the door on your way out? <laughs> and she's like, scoffs. And she's like, Hulston always kept it open. And Julia just like stares at her, like doesn't say anything. <laughs> so she closes the door. After a bit, um, she comes out. She sees the, the door to Holding 3, where the people exit when they say they want to go out. She looks at the big door and she looks at the, the cell and the screen. Then she goes to the apartment. All the cabinets are like completely empty. There's a note: new occupant, please send any unwanted items of the previous tenant to recycling for proper distribution. I think she like turned up the like the thermostat or something like that because I wonder if she's like used to the, being warmer there's a flashback she takes stuff uh, on a cart to recycling the dude in charge um, talks to a couple workers about throwing stuff away because mechanical's complaining saying 90 percent of what they throw away they fix so then uh the dude in charge asks julia if the stuff is hers and she's like it was my mom's and she doesn't need it anymore and he's like what about this other stuff she's like it was my brother's and he's like old is he and she's like he was 11 so um and then she's like looks at the and stuff and the guy like he feels bad for her he's like you can keep some of that stuff if you want he's like these guys they're not gonna know what to do with it so she's like really and then she like puts the stuffy in her her sweater so then um the dude asks about her father is he around and she's like he's working and he's like you know you shouldn't be doing this alone not at your age and she just like looks at him so then she's at home she you know cracks an egg in a frying pan and then she goes to the, the broken chair she starts working on it so dad comes home he's like hi And then like the smoke alarm goes off because she left the stove on while she's working on a chair. So he runs over there, he grabs a skillet, burns his hand, drops it. And he's, Julia, what were you doing? She's like, I was hungry and you weren't home. He's like, so you start a fire? She's like, I was fixing a chair. He's like, that chair can't be fixed. She flips it over. She's like, it can and I did. I also, I took all of mom and Jacob's things down alone. He's like, oh honey, I'm sorry. He's like, this is the way things are now. And she's like because of you he's like no jewels she's like i shouldn't have to do this and he's like neither should i so she goes to her room closes the door and he's like what choice do we have but still and then later he like knocks on her door she's just you know sitting there holding the stuff he's like honey he's like they're gone i can't fix it not everything can be fixed and she's just like won't acknowledge him so in present she's woken by a knock on her door it's bernard and some like lady and he's like, may I? So he comes in, then he hears like some, some rattling noise. And he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you can sleep with that noise. And she's like, yeah, I can't sleep without it. So, cause you know, she turned the furnace up and he's like, well, if you want to get it fix, I suggest reaching out to maintenance. They're a particularly territorial bunch, but good at what they do. And she's like, I can handle it <laughs> because he's, he's like, obviously being sarcastic. So he's like, I'm here to swear you in a sheriff with a witness and your uniform. And she kind of laughs. Um, he's like, what's funny? She's like, that it's you swearing me in when you were the one who accused me of stealing the heat tape. Just And then he like walks closer. He's like, Miss Nichols, did you steal that tape? And she's like, no, I appropriated it because we needed it. So he's like, you were not my choice for the position. But considering recent events, I think it's best to let bygones be bygones. No. And she's like, of course. And he's like, please place your hand on the pact and repeat after me. So she got obviously got the combo to the safe. She opens it up. Um, She's like looking, you know, seeing what's in there or whatever. Sandy just walks in without knocking. She's like, I need your signature. And Julia's like, on what? And she doesn't, you know, she has a file where she's like, how's it fit? And she's like, yeah, it's all right, thanks. I was worried that she was going to be like a jerk about it and like fudge up the, the measurements or something like that. She's like, these are the arrangements for John's funerals. And she's like, I'll handle it. You just sign, you know. And then she's like, should I read through it? So Sandy is like rudely, she's like, You ever make arrangements for a ceremonial burial? She's like, No. She's like, then that's your answer. So Julia's like, is Marnes in? She's like, nope. Judicial says that they don't have a Wilkins file. Holston did leave a file for you though. Well, not for you, but whoever got the job. It's right there on top. It's like, okay, Sandy. It's like Holston wanted her to be in this job. So she leaves. Juliet looks at the files. There's a written um, piece of, like torn paper and like handwriting. It's like very fancy, which I almost couldn't read. It's like double the flowers, I think. But flowers look shorter. But it's like double the flowers in front of the mirror. I don't know if that's really what it said. And then there's like someone calling in the radio or whatever. It's like mid to central, mid to central. She just like turns it down. Then Sandy barges in again. She's like, do you not hear the radio? And she's like, yeah, I figured you could handle that. And she's like, look, it's Marnes. So Marnes is punching some dude, asking, he's like, tell me. He's like, where'd you get the poison from, Frankie? So Juliet arrives and asks to let her talk to him. And, he, and he's like, no. And he's like, hey. She's like, you got everyone here freaked out. There are kids watching. Then he like looks and sees some kids there. He's like, what the fudge are they doing here? He's like, you should be in school. And Juliet's like, it's lunch. So he lets go of Frankie. They go to the cafeteria, get some coffee, and she asks if he thinks that there's another way to find out what happened to the mayor. And he's like, you know, I've worn a badge for over 30 years. You've been sheriff for half a day. There's not a thing that you can tell me about how to do this job. And then she's like, you know I didn't ask for the badge, right? He's like, well, then why did you change your mind? She's like, I didn't know Holston as well as you did. He's like, well, that's an understatement. But she's like, but I figured if you wanted me to have it, I should take it. He's like, that's BS. And he's like what'd you do to him down there? What did you say? She's like, what did I do to him? He's like, yeah, what did you say to him? And she changes the subject and asks, you know, what's the story about the guy that he beat up, Frankie? He's like, a year ago, Frankie poisoned two levels with bad booze. And she's like, bad booze isn't rat poison. He's like, it's poison. He's like, am I the only one in silo who gives a fudge about finding out the truth? And she's like, no, you're not. She's like, you wanna know what I said to Holston? I said that he should have listened to his wife because if he had, maybe she'd still be alive right now. He's like, you did what? It's like, I told him someone had been murdered. I proved it to him knowing that was a possibility. He said he'd still have to tell judicial that it was an accident. He was going to send a sign if he found out anything. So I waited next time I see Sheriff Holston is with the rest of the silo. When he goes out to clean, then the mayor gives me this. She pulls out the badge, flips it, says truth carved in there. And he's like, you think that's a sign? She's like, I don't know. And he's like, that's why you wanted George Wilkins file? He's like, Sandy told me. And he's like, boy, she really doesn't like you. And she's like, yeah, she's not subtle with it. And he's like, what do you want from me? She's like, I want you to help me to find out who killed George. And he's like, why should I do that? She's like, I'll help you figure out what happened to the mayor. So they walk around, they knock on the door. He takes a step back. And she's like, you know, why are you doing that? He says that if he didn't last time, he'd be wearing an eye patch. Then this dude walks up from behind him. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here, Marns? And he's like, hello, Patrick, the sheriff and I. He's like, wait, who's this? That's right, the new sheriff. Cause your old pals outside cuddled with his lady. And Juliet's like, hey, Patrick Kennedy? He's like, we are here to talk to your wife, right? And Marnes says, is that funny to you? And Patrick's like, yeah, go ahead, knock. Should be interesting. And Marns like, why is that? He's like, a couple reasons, Marns. One of which being that she's been dead for a year. Surprised you didn't come to the funeral, seeing as you framing her is the reason why she's in the soil. And he's like, Yeah, Patrick, we all knew she was headed for the farm the minute she met you. And then Patrick slugs him. So Juliet puts some like ice in a hanky for Marnes. He's got like a broken nose and he's asked if he's going to have to follow up with Patrick. And she's like, Because he broke your nose? He's like, No, because of robbery and extortion and a past jam with judicial over relics. She's like, you ever seen a hard drive in Holston's safe or in his apartment? And Martin's is like, check recycling. And he asks if he's looking for Holston's drive to find a sign on George. And then he's like, you know, what if you don't find it? She's like, I got to try. So he says, that, you know, truth and trying mattered to Allison, too, and it mattered to Holston. And you might want to think about that. Then she's like, hey, with John's, how do you know that you were to target? You know, 40 years as mayor and what? She didn't piss off one person. He's like, not as many as me. So she says, um, down in mechanical, someone's always got a theory about how a machine breaks. And she's like, I deal with facts. John's, she was poisons, which means, he's like, John's was not a machine. She was a person, like no other person. It's like, dude, you know what she's trying to say. So she sees like the drawing of her on his wall. And she's like, how about that deal? You help me, I help you. Then I can head back to mechanical and you can get someone else to do this job while you live the rest of your life in peace. She's like, you want to think about it? She's like, in the meantime, try not kicking down any more doors. So she gets up to leave, then asks if they should get a deputy outside because he pissed off a lot of people today. He's like, oh, I got a shotgun. And she's like, you know, there are some things a shotgun isn't the best solution for. He's like, I'll be fine. So flashback of her as a kid, she's waking up during the night, she packs a bag, picks up the stuffy and leaves it on a nightstand. Then she heads down, goes past medical. This lady, uh, Ms. Walker, which is Martha, reads a letter to introduce her to his daughter, Juliet Nichols. I would like her to shadow in mechanical, signed Dr. Peter Nichols. So Martha asks, why didn't she want to shadow with her father? And she obviously lies. She's like, oh, the side of blood makes me queasy. And Martha's like, plenty of blood down here. And then she's like, you related to Hannah Nichols? And she's like, yeah, she was my mother. So Martha's like, we don't get many visitors, you know, like you here, especially with notes from Dr. Daddies. And she's like what good are are you to us and she's like i can fix things my mom taught me how to fix things and she's like this ain't a toy shop kid and juliet certainly she's like i'm not going back and martha's like oh you know it's serious down here she's like you can't just learn on a job you would put lives in danger and she's like well how'd they learn and she's like family they were born into it and she's like so was i and martha's like you are your mother's daughter all right so then she calls Knox. So he's obviously younger and tells him to tell Shirley to take this Juliet character to the scavenge team. So there's a bunch of like trash drops and Shirley says that they have five minutes. The 12 recycling stations are all on different schedules, dumping, you know, once at an exact time, every hour, but it times it out so that every five minutes something else falls. They're supposed to only um, dump stuff that they can't reuse or fix. But, They get lazy, so they fix things that they can repair and send them back up or use them down there themselves. And she's like, who'd want that job? And Shirley's like, no one's like they're criminals. And she's like, what they do? Shirley's like, they killed like a dozen people. And then she laughs. She's like, they stole something or beat someone. She's like, I have no idea. It's like, you know, stuff falls. They drag it. We sort it and fix it what we can in the next room. The stuff that we don't use goes to the incinerator. Primo parts go to Walker. She has a list. Find something on it, you take it to her directly. She never leaves her shop ever. So in the present, it's you know you hear someone say it's about time someone from down deep rose up, gives all us bottom siders hopes that you know things might get better around here. So she's at the recycling place and she says that she's looking for something that might have come out of the cleaning up in Holston's apartment. So the lady's like, I was on that cleanup. She's like, a lot of tears that day. So juliet says she's looking for a metal box could be a hard drive um also about 10 sheets of paper like transcript with handwriting and she's like that much paper i'd remember she's like but i don't recall seeing anything like that she's like i'll ask others and Juliet's like no just message me directly if anything turns up she's like i'll cover the charge she's like okay then as she's walking you see this like little girl getting carried by her mom and she like smiles at her because you know she's wearing the uniform so the girl knows that you know she's someone safe then in the past juliet's called to martha's office or her place, not her office, but her, her her shop, her dad's there, and he's like looking at the letter. And he's like, hey, Jules. So Martha's like, when you forge a letter, you should check the spelling. Mechanical has an H in it. So she's like, I sent a porter to tell your dad that you were here the day after you arrived, so he wouldn't spend the rest of his life wondering if you fell down a trash chute. She's like, I'm not going back up. And she's like, well, you don't get to decide that. Her dad asks her, he's like, are you happy here? And Julia's like, I start work hours before the light cycles today. I eat lunch standing up. And if I'm lucky, I get half an hour break. Every night I'm exhausted. I fall asleep before my head hits the cot. He's like, are you happy, Juliet?" She's like, I'm happy. I really don't have time to think about mom or Jacob. And he's like, or me? And it's just like silent. And he's like, yeah, you shouldn't have to. Martha like, shakes her head. She's like, mechanical doesn't need anyone looking for an escape. You know, mechanical needs workers, people committed to ensuring the lives of others. Everyone in the silo relies on us. So you can't, if you can't commit to that, I don't care where you go because you're not needed here. She's like, but I am. And he's like, you're what? Needed here. I'm good at this. And her dad like looks at her. Then he like nods to Martha. She's like, all right, from now on you shadow Knox. And she's like, yes, ma'am. So she turns to leave and she stops, she looks at her dad and then she just walks out without saying anything. And that was probably the last time she saw her. So in the present, Marnes gets out his shotgun, rolls up some bedding, gets up on a chair, hangs something, but then he hangs up the bedding to use his punching bag. At first I'm like, wait, he's not gonna kill himself or something. There's a knock on his door. It's um, Rob, I'm like, who's Rob? It's Sims. And he's like, whoa, like love the new look. Cause he's just like wearing a like, you know, white t-shirt he's like fudge you very much so then he's like your new boss gave you that talking about his broken nose and he says he got it from patrick kennedy he's like remember him and he says that he went to visit his wife doris she threatened him you know a few times but fortunately for the silo she's dead then sim says that he has good news judge meadows is ready to make the new sheriff a former one the paperwork's done he's like You sign along with Mayor Pencilneck, and by morning, Billings will be up top and ready to take over the job. So says that he figures they'd better hold off on that a bit, and he's like, Nichols was Holston's choice. He's like, I figure she's got a right to fail on her own. She knows she's not wanted. She's not gonna last long. Send her down mad, and she's just gonna get mechanical all riled up, and, and Sims is like, well, it's your call, but Meadow wants Nichols out and Billings in, and you know when something sticks in her craw, well, And Mars like, well, I don't work for medals. But then Sim's like, but we all work for the good of the silo. So Juliet goes to the cafeteria, that dude's still sitting there. And he like looks at her, he's like, technically I still have a minute before the cafeteria closes. And she's like, okay. So then he gets up and calls after her. He's like, my name is Lucas. So he recognizes her name from, you know, she's like, Juliet. He's like, oh, like from the play. He's like, they don't really perform that one anymore. Cause she's like, you know what? He's like, they don't perform that one anymore. And she's like, I don't know. He's like, some say it was written by, well, a rebel. Then he's like, he, she's just looking at him. He's like, did I say something to get me arrested? She's just like, no. So Marins has a beer. He's like toying with the idea of like dropping it over the railing, maybe. I don't know. He's just like kind of dangling it. Thinks back to his conversation with the mayor when she was considering retiring. What the, 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 their smooch, her speech. Here's Julia on the radio calling Walker. And, you know, so that's Martha. Because she says, you know, she can listen in on the radio. So she asks, how's it going? And Juliet says that she might not be pulling a loan. Uh, you know, And then uh, Martha's like, any progress? And Juliet's like, yeah, maybe. So Martha's like, did you find an ally? She's like, perhaps. She's like, I'll know more tomorrow. So to are obviously talking about Mars. So she's like, there's been some progress here too. She's like, in fact, something that might require your insight. And we see Martha's like looking at the camcorder that um, George left. So Juliet arrives in her apartment there's like i think there's flowers inside she goes to the thermostat she turns it on and then there's like something like like banging in inside the vent Marnes enters his, his apartment it's like dark he sets down the bottle that he have um but then someone grabs him from behind and this scene was so incredibly dark it's like i could not see what was going on. i turned off the light in the room i'm like trying to watch what's going on so someone like knees him. They're struggling. And then you see someone's like choking Marnes, slams him against the wall, struggling. Someone gets hit in the head with a pan. I'm pretty sure it was Marns that got hit. And then Marns goes for a shotgun, but it's not where he left it. He gets knocked onto the sofa. And then the guy points a shotgun at him. And we finally see his face. And I'm like, wait, who the heck is that? So at this point, I'm like, are we supposed to know who this is? because I couldn't really tell, I mean, you can kind of see it, but the whole scene was dark. You see his face. I'm like, wait, who is this back at Juliet? she unscrews the vent covering. There's like a string with like a washer hanging. She starts pulling, pulling, and then there's a pouch and it has the Wilkins file. So I don't think at this point they show us, but it's, it's like, it's a hard drive in there too. And that's the end of the fourth episode. Right, then with uh, season one, episode five, I had to switch rooms for a second so i don't know if the audio sounds a little little off it might be a little more echoey it's a bigger room here anyways so see episode five the janitor's boy so juliet's looking at george's file and there's stuff about the watch like maybe i I think there's like maybe an interview first time Holson talked to him because george said that it was legal he bought it for himself and juliet asked herself she's like why did you want to hide this which is a good question and we don't find it out in this episode. It's like, what's with the file? And then the other question is like, where's the hard drive? Cause I was thinking maybe the hard drive was in there, but it, it's not. So the only thing was in the satchel is, is just a file. Porter knocks on her door. So she like hides a file, like under her, her coat, like on a chair. There's a note from Sims. It says, S. Marnes, victim looks like a homicide. Request immediate dispatch to location. So it wasn't super clear in the fourth episode. It's like, okay, it ends with Marnes sitting on the sofa and this random dude, like, who is this dude, holding the shotgun to him. But it's like, is he actually going to kill him? And apparently he did. So then at, the, at Marns' place, there's this dude, like, looking at, at the body. And at first it's like, wait, who's this guy? Because he, he, he guesses that Marns had his skull crushed with the butt of his own shotgun. And then Sims is like, oh, that couldn't have been easy. You know, Marns was made of iron, anger, and spite. So then Juliet, she's there. She's like, and who are you? And Sim's like, this is Paul Billings. He's your... And she's like, oh, that's the guy you wanted to be sheriff. And then Sim's is like, he's your new chief deputy. And she's like, the old one's not even cold. So then Bernard comes in, says that Marnes was right. Someone really wanted him dead. And he asks if, if they have control over this. And Sim says, well, the door was open. Neighbor found him. And he's like, can we keep a lid on this? Sim says that they can try. And they're like, you know, if we don't, we're fudged. So Sims says that all of this could have been avoided if our new sheriff had posted someone to watch Marnes that night. And then Juliet's like, your new sheriff offered, and he said no. And then Sims is like, so I heard. You should have ignored him. And Juliet's like, oh, you heard, huh? He's like, yeah, I stopped by and saw him and his bloody nose. So Bernard's like, who gave him a bloody nose? And Sims is like, one of his many fans. So Billing says that the mortuary team is, is here. So Bernard's like, let's go to my office, my new office. So Juliet asks Billing, she's like, can you ask the mortuary team to, to give me a minute? So she like, looks around, she's trying to assess the situation and stuff like that. And she does something which we see later. It's like, I didn't really like notice it or, or catch it. And you know, she goes over by uh, Mar and she uncovers him, she looks in his pockets, she finds the list that he got from Sims, like all the the the, the crimes that they've the issues that he's had with people, she covers them back up. So in the mayor's office, Bernard says that he's only gonna be mayor for a few months, so he's gonna try to drink as much of Mayor Jean's uh liquor as possible. So he like offers some. Sims passes, and obviously Billings and Juliet, they're not gonna check any. So he just pours a drink into his other glass, so he's gonna have a double. Bernard asks, he's like, well, what do we do? Sim says, keep pumping the official line. Uh, you know, two older people walked the silo. It was too much for them. See your doctor. And then Julia's like, no, we bury them together. He's like, sorry, what? She's like one funeral, one grave, conservation of resources. Bernard's like says, he's like times like this, no one cares about conserving resources, but they could, you know, we, we could say that they were in love the way they always nag at each other. Cause they're like, is that true? And Sim says, he's like, I don't know if there's anything in a pact about a double funeral. Paul says that, you know, for a married couple, and Bernard says, he's like, well, the mayor could make an exception. Sim's like, why would the mayor do that? And Bernard's like, so it becomes a story. And he's like, a couple old servants of the silo enjoying a late bloom of love, looking to spend their golden years together, only to have their lives cut tragically short. So Paul, Paul Billings, he says that, he's like, well, if they were in a relationship, it was unsanctioned. Bernard's like at their age who gives a fudge and if people do care it's even better gets people talking about forbidden love Yeah, anything but murder. It's like we need a distraction. So he's like it's a good idea sheriff So it's it's kind of weird that he's actually You know supporting juliet because he was like so anti-juliet Sims like well for a distraction, you know, the judge suggested we offer a forgiveness holiday And you know, it's good for morale Bernard's like it's good for judicial then he says that he's gonna announce a race to the top. Winner gets the Jean's Cup. Sims says she hated races. Bernard figures it's a chance for people to drink beer and yell. So he su- suggests Billings and Sims go and get some sleep. And he asks Sheriff, he asks Juliet to stay a minute. Sims starts to go. Then he says to Juliet, he's like, he says that you know she's the reason that he stopped by to see Marnes last night. As like I said, we should make Paul Billings uh, sheriff now. Marnes said to wait. Not because he thought you'd succeed. He figured you'd realize that you were in over your head and slink back down to Greasetown on your own. Bernard cuts him off. He's like, that's enough. He's like, give it a rest. Juliet just like looks at Sims, like doesn't let it phase her. So after Lee, Bernard says to Juliet, he's like, you don't like it? He's like, I'm installing Billings as chief deputy without your say-so. And she just like shrugs. Then he asks if she's read the pact and she's like, some of it. And he says that, you know, start with the, the section on her department. It doesn't explicitly say that a sheriff should kiss judicial's ass, but it's pretty much a subtext on every page. So they do the funeral service, Bernard Spinks. He mentions, you know, running a program to list, uh, you know, because he's all about the numbers. So he ran a program to list all the residents under 46. He got that number from 40 plus six, you know, 40 being the amount of years Ruth Johns served as mayor and six being the age of basic societal awareness, you know, like six year olds know, like what's going on. So that gave them a total of 5,496 silo residents out of the current 10,112 whom Ruth Johns was the only mayor they ever knew. So we got over 10,000 people living here. She was a trusted, and beloved leader because she knew the residents of the silo. They knew her. He's like, thankfully I am but an interim mayor until someone can be elected to fill Ruth John's very large shoes. Then he tries making a joke. He's like, well, not her literal shoes because she, her, she feet were small. No one like laughs at his joke. So then he asked Juliet if she'd like to say a few words about deputy Marnes. and and she's like, I don't know exactly what to say about him. You know, we didn't exactly hit it off. He didn't want me as sheriff. Um, He shared that with a lot of people I I gather. And she's like, I didn't want the job at first, but then I was told that if mayor, if if the mayor asks you to serve, you serve. And now she's speaking to a bunch of people who knew Marnes better. You know, sad people. She's like, but I'm not sad. She's like, I, you know, he is gone. But their lives, they're worth celebrating. They dedicated their lives to the silo, like we all do every day. You know, like everyone does, from up to the the up top to the down deep. And then she kind of like steps back. So Bernard finishes. You know, circle of life, death until life, circle without end. Blah blah blah. And then they like take a bite of an apple. I wasn't sure if it was an apple or a peach. They take a bite in something and they like throw it rest inside the funeral and it's a pretty big hole it's like you can almost fit like three bodies side by side so then juliet finds hank at, at the station and she's like what are you doing here and you know he gives her like a, a one-arm like bro hug he says he got an invite to the burial and she's like i didn't see you there and he's like well funerals aren't really my thing so he you know, walk martha walk said that you found someone to help you with the george stuff and she's like we buried him today so there's more chit chat and stuff like that. You know, he asks how is she, and she's like, good, yeah. You know, I'm okay. And she's like, walk sent you, huh? And he's like, Aunt Shirley. And she's like, because they're worried about me. He's like, Jules. Everyone is worried about everything. He's like, it's a dangerous time in a silo. You know, people like you know, kids are asking like, is you know, parents are asking if it's safe for their kids at school and stuff like that. She's like, so you're wondering if I can handle it? He's like, that's not what I'm saying. You know, but he's like, but if you ever need anything, etc., whatever, you know, call him and. So later, Juliet's trying to read the pact. She's, like, bored. Sandy walks in and closes her door. And she's like, I don't like you. And Juliet's like, I got that. Sandy's like, you're not qualified to be a sheriff. Juliet's like, can't disagree. Anything else? She's like, Holsten Becker was the best sheriff the Silo's ever seen. Marnes told me that something happened between you two. And that's why Holsten went out to clean. And Juliet's like, hmm, well, Marnes was wrong. She's like, you took this job to find out who killed George Wilkins. When Wilkins died, the down deep deputy sent a message, said an engineer named Nichols claimed Wilkins was murdered. Now, the first thing you do when you get up here is you ask for Wilkins file. So she's like, here's the deal. Everything in this office goes through me. You want to get anything done, whether it's find out who killed Wilkins or get a new pencil, you're going to do what I want. Which is like so demanding because she works for Juliet. So Juliet's like, and what's that? She's like, find out who killed Marnes. And Juliet's like, right, that's my job. So, and she's like, I don't mean just go along with whatever Patsy judicial serves up. I mean, find out who really did it. And Juliet's like, why would judicial serve up a Patsy? And Sandy's like, because Judge Meadows doesn't give a poop about the truth. She only cares about maintaining order. A deputy and mayor getting murdered, things get disorderly fast. They're going to want to find the nearest warm body to pin it on. You know, expect you to go along with it so you can keep the shiny badge and in the nice apartment. But that would be a mistake on your part because they also want you out and in Billings in. And Juliet's like, isn't that what you want? She's like, honestly, I may want you to find out who killed Marnes, but Marnes, he wouldn't give a poop. He just wouldn't want judicial sending some poor bastard out to clean that doesn't deserve it. And then she just walks out and she leaves the door wide open. So Juliet, she later she walks out and she says that she'll be back after lunch. And Sandy's like, where are you going? <laughs> she, she, she demands a know. And Juliet's like, I'm going to try and figure out who killed Martins. And she's like, well, you should take Deputy Billings with you. You know, he knows a pact and you don't. If you get this wrong, even if you know who did it, who did it, Judicial will throw it out. So Juliet looks at Billings. She's like, let's go. So they walk. They, they go up to some guy, like, entering a place. And she's like, hey, are you Charles Martin? And he's like, what if I am? Billings asked if he robbed a string of, a, of apartments 15 years ago. And he's, he says that, he's like, I did my time. And she's like, we just wanna know where you were last night. And he's like, are you saying I killed Marnes? Billings starts saying, he's like, no one said anything about that. Martin stops him. He's like, don't tell me he died naturally. If Martins just had a heart attack, then life really sucks. He's like, but it wasn't me. I was down in 62 getting tests. So they walk away. They say that even if he wasn't in hospital, you know you know she's a, she's sure that he wouldn't have been a match from arms and then she's like you saw his hand he's got the syndrome so that right there you know, there's no one there's no acknowledgement of that but the fact that she noticed his hand was shaking or whatever so she's observant which you know she would have to be in mechanical she's aware of like every little intricate detail to make sure everything runs smoothly so i, I thought that that was that was a nice little touch so billing's like where next and she looks at the list and she's asked him where he lives he's like a couple levels down so Julia's like why don't you go home for lunch it's like i'm sure your wife and daughter would love to see you and he's like it's only 11. she's like i know you know it's been a lot he's like i need a moment i'm gonna grab a sandwich read the pact it's like i hear great things about it so he's like i'll be back in the office by one so she goes up she looks at the list samarin said already talked to frankie and they just talked to Martin. So then Doris Kennedy's already dead. But then she thinks about Patrick Kennedy, her, her husband, like punching him in the whole encounter. Knocks on the door. Knocks twice. Then she takes out Holston's badge and she actually picks the lock open. She looks around. The place is pretty neat, which is surprising because Patrick Kennedy seemed like, you know, if he's living alone. She looks in the closet and then she looks on a top shelf. She finds a tin of rat poison and the picture of that, uh of the mayor that Marnes drew. She noticed that it had been torn off the wall cuz there's like a flashback where she like she sees like a ripped piece of paper cuz I think she saw it up there before when she was in Marnes' room or his his apartment. So and then when after he was killed, she noticed like that the corner was ripped off or something like that from the tape. She puts him back, and then she walks out. And this this guy—I don't know if it was Martin. I couldn't tell. I didn't remember the same guy. But someone's like, "Who are you looking for?" And she's like, "Patrick Kennedy." And he's like, he says, "Like she's an idiot." It's like he's not here. So it's like, okay, where would he be? Is he working? What? Billings hears someone talking about like serious allegations, which will be investigated by the Department of Sheriff, being reported to judicial within one hour. Inside, Sim's like, read the part about accountability. So Paul. Knox and Sim tells him to come in. So there's some dude, Doug Trumbull is with him. And I'm looking at him like, wait, is this the guy that actually killed Marnes that we saw in the dark when, at the end of the episode? I'm like, wait, who is this guy? So pretty sure at this point, it was like, I'm pretty sure that's him. It looks like him. Then Sim's like, he's like, Doug is a candidate to be my shadow. And he tells Doug that they'll get to the rest later. So he leaves, Paul closes the door and like, incredulously, he's like, Doug Trumbull, your shadow Sims says that he only said he was a candidate. He asked if he could be considered. He's like, and I didn't have the heart to say no. He's like, besides, it's always good to have an excuse to read the pact. He asked how, how's if, if the new sheriff is okay with him coming back to judicial first thing. And Paul's like, she thinks I went home for lunch. So Sims tells him, he's like, what can I do for you? So it's like, hmm, I guess we can't trust Paul. Juliet finds Kennedy working. He's like painting, he's like up on this little thing. And he's, he's like, oh, I was so sad to hear about Deputy Marnes. He's like, oh, I'm kidding. I was like, I was fudging giddy. So she's like, yesterday you said there were two reasons we were stupid for wanting to talk to your wife. The first was she was dead. What's the second one? And then it cuts to she's like escorting him somewhere. And he's like, I'm confused. Are you arresting me? And she's like, nope. He's like, then what are you doing? She's like, I'm putting you somewhere safe. Just so like, wait, what's going on? billings arrives at the station he goes to juliet's office she's ready back she's like trying to read the pact again and she's like how was lunch and he asks if he can sit so then he's like i didn't go home i went to judicial so he's wait he's being honest here and she's like oh wow reporting to sims already She's like am i that bad or or something like that he's like i know it's going to take a lot to earn your trust and this might not be the best first step but i wanted to see how their investigation was going And she's like, Judicial has its own investigation. He's like, they get level reports first and they get reports from people who don't officially exist. And she's like, right, listeners. And he's like, not what we call them, but yeah. And Julia's like, what do you call them? Friends of the silo? None of what they say is admissible in court. And she's like, but, but they can make suggestions. So Julia's like, wow, you you look in pain just saying that. And he's like, it's not in a pact, so I don't like it. So Billings is like totally like, hardcore you know packed follower so she's like hmm so what are the friends suggesting he's like ralph Mel- melby he works down in paper for shift he's like he could have made it to uh, this one sex ship to poison her water and he could have made it up last night to get mars so she looks at the list and she's like gambler thief two minor assaults and she's like why now he's like you'd have to ask him so they get up and then she asks sandy for an arrest report and And she's like for you and she's she says Patrick Kennedy and Paul's like no no no, Melby first and then Julia's like call me on the radio when you have it so Paul's like where are you going and Sandy's like she's like you got messages so Julia just like walks out then in the hall Sandy's like followers she's like hey Nichols stop and Julia's like I don't have time for messages and Sandy's like I don't have any fudging messages I just I need to know what's going on it's like it's none of your business. So Julia's like, Billings went to his friends in judicial and came back with a name, Ralph Melby. They want me to waste my time arresting Melby while they get their Patsy. And she's like, Patrick Kennedy? And she's like, yeah, that's gonna make me look incompetent. They'll send me back to mechanical and Billings gets a badge. She's like, are you sure they're, gonna, they're setting up Kennedy? She knows, cause she's, okay, she's like, I know a search is gonna turn up rat poison in a drawing from Martin's wall. And she's like, how do you know that? But she's like, because she's like if he's their patsy you're requesting a, an arrest warrant means judicial is going to send a goon to get him right away and she's like that's what why i'm going so she's she's pretty sure that patrick didn't do it she found the rat poison in the drawing in that closet so she's like they're, they're setting him up the race is about to start you know they're blocking out some sections stuff like that doug trumbull He's tries like walking through the crowd. He jogs his door, and knocks loudly. He's like, Judicial, open up. And then Juliet's like knock she's like standing out to the side. She's like, You are looking for Patrick Kennedy? And she's like, Yeah, it took a while for housing to find out that his wife died last year. They moved him to a single like six months ago and moved an older couple in here. She's like, Maybe that's why Judicial's database still has this down as his place. She's like, I only know because Marnes and I came here yesterday. I guess everyone makes mistakes, right? and yours was planning evidence in the wrong apartment so she broke in and it it's not even his apartment and that's why that guy's like he's not here because he doesn't live there so she makes a move to like take something out like maybe a gun or handcuffs or like that and he just starts running the race has started too so there's lots of shoving through the crowds and stuff like that and then um w- one thing that was nice is we see one lady like point to stairs like when trumble went down there like the julius like he went that way type of thing so it's good people are supporting her she's a sheriff so he's like a level below her and then they're headed like right towards the runners you know runners are coming up below them and then um trumble bumps into the runners they had a curse and stuff like that and then she bumps into some he doubles back and he tries like throwing her over the railing. So she's like hanging on. And then I think he thought that she fell over because, you know, he then he comes back and he sees that she's hanging on to the, the railing. He like tries prying her hands off, punches her in the face and she loses like one grip. She's still holding on with the other hand because getting punched in the face. She's pretty tough. She's still hanging on there. So he's like trying to, you know, get, get her, you know, lift her hand, pry her hand off or whatever like that. She pulls out like a. a a pocket tool, you know, with like a knife and stress tries like opening it, but it falls out of her hands and it goes down. It's like, holy crap, if that hits someone <laughs> this little girl, like a couple levels down, she like sees like, her hanging there like the struggle. She tries getting her mom's attention. The struggle continues. Then she like reaches with her other hand. She grabs his pinky, snaps it back, which was you know pretty, pretty impressive. He like, you know, falls, you know, goes back or whatever. And then some people run up there cause they, they saw her hanging there. A couple of people like reach her, pull her up. And then she like sits back and catches her breath. So at the station, Paul says that he thinks he knew who she was chasing. He's like, Doug Trumbull, judicial security. He's like, I'll get an arrest warrant. He's like, I wish you waited for me to come with you. And she's like, well, I was just going to check out Kennedy's apartment. I didn't think someone was going to try and throw me over the rail. So in her office, he asks, he's like, hey, what apartment number did you have for Kennedy? And she's like, 2215, why? And she's like, he's like, I think maybe Kennedy didn't have anything to do with this. And she just looks at him. It's kind of like, like, no kidding, idiot. Trumbull's lurking about. He goes to like this janitorial door, and then Sims walks out. He's like, Doug, what are you doing here? And Doug's like, I followed you once. And Sims like, ah. That shows initiative, skill, and a very troubling insubordination. So Doug's like, I'm sorry. Sim's like, do you have any idea what's behind this door? No, sir. He's like, good. If I choose you to shadow me, you will know. He's like, what happened to your hand? And he's like, oh, nothing. whatever." He's like, you have the note? And he's like, yeah. And Sim's like, good. I think there's still a way to make this work. So Trumbull's like, how? He's like, let me figure that out. So then out on a walkway, Sim says in his you know this is his favorite time it's so quiet and still because there's like no one outside so then he starts talking about the the janitorial door he's like that door the first time i saw it my father showed it to me he was a janitor people looked down on him on our family we all know the philosophy of the pack everyone contributes to the survival of the silo but a janitor is still a janitor and i was just a janitor's boy which is the name of the episode Uh, he's like my mother treated my father like he was nothing and he said nothing in return When I was 14, I got into conflict with one of my classmates, Richard Elliott. He's like, ah, he tormented me. My father found out and I was terrified that he was going to try to do something about it and only make it worse. But he didn't. He's like, part of me was disappointed. Then one day I get to school and Richard Elliott's crying. Seems his father had been reassigned to a job on 125 and they have to move. Just like that, my problem went away. And I was wondering if maybe my dad had something to do with it, but he was just a janitor, right? Then one morning he says to me "Any more problems with that bully. And I just look at him. It was like, it was something in the way he said it. I just looked at him and asked how, and he said he wanted to show me something. He took me to that door. He said, if I wanted to shadow him, I would have to make a decision that would change my life forever. If I went through that door, I could never tell anyone what was on the other side. Not my friends, not my family, not my wife. They might think that I was nothing more than a bookkeeper or a clerk or a janitor. But I would know the truth, that the people behind that door do the most important work at the silo, work that keeps 10,000 people alive. And then he's like, you fudged up, Doug, twice, very badly. You fudged up with George Wilkins and you fudged up with Patrick Kennedy. But I fudged up worse, many times. It's like, we're human beings doing the best we can. What I'm looking for in the shadow is drive and dedication. I've made my decision. Douglas Trumbull, do you of clear mind and conscience pledge to be my shadow? He's like, yes. Are you willing to do anything to serve and protect the people of the silo? Yes. Are you willing to give everything you have and serve and protect the people of the silo? Yes. And he's like, good. And Doug like smiles. And then Sims like charges, shoves him over the railing. <laughs> and he's gone. Juliet says to Judge Meadows, Douglas Trumbull killed Mayor Johns and Deputy Marnes and he wanted to frame Patrick Kennedy for the murders. His intent wasn't only to uh, frame Kennedy, but to kill him and make it look like a suicide. So when I confronted Trumbull about planning evidence in an apartment no longer occupied by Kennedy, he ran. And at this point, then we see Sims is there, too. So then she's like, last night, knowing his arrest was inevitable, Trumbull took his own life. He's like, there's a there's a note that we found there uh, in his pocket. And she hands, you know, Sims hands the note to Meadows. We think that he was gonna plant it on Kennedy. Like strangely, it kind of works for him too. She's like, we don't know why, and metal cuts her off. You don't know why a seven year employee of judicial would want to murder the mayor and Mars. And Julia's like, well, no, but we. She's like, I didn't work closely with Trumbull, but I saw no sign of it. Mr. Sims, did you see any indication and she's like, well, I mean, Marnes was deputy in the mids back in the day when Trumbull was going, growing up. Maybe they had some rough encounters back then. He's like, I don't know. We're going to look into it. So Meadows looks at Sims and says, you know, don't spend any more time on this. We have the killer of Mayor Johns and Deputy Marnes, and he's dead. This should quell the rumors and conspiracy theories. Sims says, like, indeed. And Meadows looks at her, and she's like, thank you. So they leave. And Paul says, you already knew that the drawing and the rat poison were an apartment before we looked. And she's like, mm-hmm. he's like, when did you go in? When you were talking to your judicial friends? He's like, how did you get in? She's like, I learned some things in mechanical. And then Paul's like, you clearly didn't read the section of the pack about illegal search and seizure. She's like, no, I did. He's like, then why did not you tell me, you know, what you were doing? She's like, because I didn't trust you. He's like, do you now? She's like, yeah, sure. As much as you trust me. So then Julia goes to her office, Sandy walks in. She's like, so you don't worry about what happened to me tomorrow, I've been reassigned. And Julia's like, what? She's like, to the station in 105. And Julia's like, why? Sandy's like, I requested it. And Julia's like, because of me? She's like, no, I got family down there. And she's like, wait, so when when you said, if I wanted your help, I had to find out who killed Marns? She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't think you'd be able to do that really. And then she's like, any chance you change your mind? no, I've had enough of the up top. There are a few things I'll miss, but I won't miss the feeling that I'm being watched. And Julia's like, by who? She's like, I don't know by who or how. Then Julia's like, hey, you know, when I got here, you said you didn't know what down deepers ate. You got family on 105. That's she's like, that's lower mid. It's not down deep. And Julia's like, right. She's like, our kind don't eat babies. And she's like, mm-hmm. And then Sandy's like, you did a good thing. I mean, Patrick Kennedy's an awful human, but he didn't deserve to die, you know, not for something he didn't do. And Julia's like, I'm just happy that I didn't. And then she's like, don't make a big deal of it. I still don't like you, sheriff. So she acknowledges her as sheriff, at least. So it's too bad because it it seems like it could help. She knows how to run the office and everything. So so now someone else is going to have to come up there. Hopefully it's not going to be someone that judicial puts in. In the mayor's office, Bernard offers to pour her a drink. She's like, no, I'm good. And he says that he hates to admit it, but Sims was right. The race was a good tonic, but they really need a forgiveness holiday. And he's like, people go a little wild when we have one. So I'm going to need you and your deputies everywhere. She's like, okay. And he's like, that's not the only thing I want to discuss. He's like, I want to say that I was wrong about you. He's like, I didn't see why Holston would want you to be sheriff, but now I think I do. So for as long as I'm mayor, which I sincerely hope won't be for more than a few months, I want to help you in any way I can. Is there anything you need now? And she's like two days off. He's like, you've been sure for a minute. She's like, I need to get back down to mechanical. I didn't think I'd last, so I didn't pack much. So he's like, we have porters that can do that. And she's like, I'd like to say goodbyes and stuff. You know, he's like, all right, we'll see you in a couple days. she's like, thanks. She goes to the cafeteria. And that dude, I think his name was Lucas, he's there. So she's like, what are you working on? He's like, oh, come and see. He's like, when it's clear at night, there's these lights in the sky. And she's like, hmm, what are they? He's like, I have no idea. But I've been watching them long enough to see patterns. They repeat like like they're traveling in this big circle. He's like, do you see it? She's like, I see a W. You never noticed that before. He's like, now you have. I'll add it to the list of things we don't know anything about. So she heads down. She tells Martha that there are lights in the skies at night. You know, she, and she, she's like wondering if she knew anything about him. She doesn't because she's like the display in the up top cafeteria is better than the one here. And Martha's, you know, she doesn't know anything. So she's then Martha's like, how's it going up there in a fancy new job? She's like, it's fine. And Martha's like, fine, just fine. Really? And she's like, you know, Tommy Marshall was working on a vent- ventilation shaft at the foot of the stairs. And she's like, this missed his head by an inch. So it's Juliet's tool. She's like, people saw you hanging from the rails, Jules. You don't think that kind of story gets around? She's like, what the fudge is going on? And Jules is like, I can't tell you. You can't tell me? She's like, no, I can't. So w- Martha, walk, whatever you want to call her. She says, she's like, this isn't part of the deal. They're supposed to you know, do their parts to keep the silo running, not murders and falling bodies. Then she's like, did you find the hard drive you are looking for? Jules is like, not yet. Holston had a file on George, but there's nothing in it that I didn't already know. And then she's like, did you make headway in that thing I left you? So walks like, yes, I did. She's like, I recognize the type of lens from the camera they use to make IDs, but this is not so simple. She like looks at, you know, she opens part of it with, with like a magnifying glass. And then Julia, is like, is, do you have anything more powerful? Martha mentions like, oh, like what your, your mom made with the two glasses side by side or something like that. So it's kind of like a double telescope, microscope or something like that. She's like judicial seized it. And she's like, you know why? Have you read the pact? Julia's like, no. And you're like the 10th person to ask me that. So walks like, this is the real reason I want you to come down. For me, there are two big mysteries about the pact. One, they stipulate that we can't mechanize the way we go up and down the silo. No lifts, no pulleys, which is something I wonder. It's like, why don't they have an elevator or something? So it's weird that that's in a pact that they can't do that. Maybe energy, safety, I don't know. And it's like two, no magnification beyond a certain power. So a relic like this is going to get you more than a slap on a wrist. Something with the wiring this small, the effect is going to be a lot more dramatic. And from what you're not telling me, seems to me there's a long list of people who've died recently under questionable circumstances. And she's like, what's to stop you from being the next one on the list. And she's like, I'll be careful. Then she's like, you know, put the badge in the envelope, and give it to a porter. And Julia's like, I need to find out what happened. It's like, two days ago, Bernard wanted nothing more than to send me out to clean for snagging two boxes of poopy heat tape. She's like, I solved two murders, and he can't wait to work with me. They trust me, Walk. It's like, I need to open up an investigation that allows me to look into what happened to George. And she's like, how are you going to do that without tipping them off? She says, I got to use the right bait. So then later she goes to George's secret place, like the hidden tunnels, whatever. She takes this tin box, and she pulls out the Pez dispenser, and she just looks at it. And then that's the end of the episode. So I'm, I'm digging this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you. So next week, uh, episode six is now out as, as you listen to this and I'll update you next week where, where I'm at in the book. Um, cause I've listened to some more and yeah, I'm tr- going very slowly, but what? we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if I should do the whole book, so we'll see. But man, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying the show. Okay. Then American born Chinese. So we're gonna do episode three and four this week. Um, I'm enjoying the show. Uh, the fourth episode, I'm going to, I'll tell you right now, I, I wasn't super crazy about it, but we'll get to that. So episode season one, episode three, rockstar status. So Guan, Guan Yin, uh, Michelle Yao, she's sitting outside this buffet place next to like a cricket. And then it turns into Sun Wukong, which is Wei Shen's father. So he's not crazy about having to serve themselves. And she scolds him, you know, he's like, don't fill up on rice, focus on the good stuff. And then um, he says, you know, it's been a long time since they've eaten together. And she's like, that's true. And you don't look a day over 40,000 Wukong. And he's like, oh, that's kind of you to say. He's like, but kids age you. He's like, look at me. I'm a member of the Jade Emperor's inner circle and I can't even control my own son. And she says, uh, perhaps he, you know, he doesn't have to. And he's like, is that your stance? She's like, I don't have to have one. And he says that she slammed him against the wall and you know, when, when he was like trying to do whatever, you know, and she says that she just wants his son to have the same chance that he did. So it's like, have a little faith. And he's like, why, you know, he, he stole from me. He disobeyed me. And she's like, you know, Wei Shen is, you know, over overly confident and reckless, but it's in his nature. And Wu Kong's like, you know, he needs to grow up and control that nature. So as they eat, he asks it if she knows, you know, she's like, if, if this, this could go like very badly, you know, if, if new Mo Wing gets the Jinggu Bang, which is like, gets the staff, he's like, you know, who knows what darkness he could unleash. So she's like, I'm aware. That's why I'm watching Wei Shen as I did you once upon a time. And he's like, that was different. That was a sacred mission. You know, he's chasing a silly dream and she's like dreams can bring great success. He's like, or great failure. And she's like, failure can bring enlightenment. Enlightenment is victory. So he's like, all right, one more week. Then I drag him back on my own. So we see Jin is dreaming. He's like walking down the hall. And then like the action figure is like spinning. Then he sees like a giant like Wei Shen who reaches to pick him up. And then his alarm goes off and wakes him up. Mom calls him for breakfast. And the action figure sitting on his desk. Which I thought he, I don't know if he got, I thought he gave it back. But somehow it keeps coming back. At school, there's going to be a pep rally. Jin's happy, you know, he's in his jersey, Travis like looks at him, they go out to the gym, everyone's cheering. Um, this one kid, I don't know if it was one of his friends from soccer, summer soccer, he's like, dude, welcome to rockstar status. And Jin's like, yeah, this is pretty cool. He's like, no, I don't mean the pep rally. I mean, our phones, bro, I'm blowing up right now. Last time I had this many likes, I was in hospital. Jin just smiles, he looks at the crowd and he sees Amelia, then he sees Wei Shen you know, clapping and gets confused. Because remember, like, what happened last time? There's a fight in the kitchen. So it's like, how, what, we didn't, they, they like skipped over that. He, there's a flashback of Pixie like, pigsy charging at him and him getting hit and knocked out. So later he's like in a cafeteria staring at the kitchen and Wei Shen comes up to him and he's like, are you all right? And he's like, you hit your head pretty hard. So Jin's like, so that really happened? And Wei Shen like nods. He's like, so can you explain to me you know, you beat the crap out of a gardener so hard he turned into a pig? Wei Shen kind of like chuckles or whatever. He's like, oh, he's not a gardener. His name is Zhu bai, Baiji or something like that. He's like, and he works for my dad. Jin's like, I thought your dad worked in another country. He's like, no, he lives in heaven. His name is Sun Wukong and he's a monkey king. Jin's like, okay, cool. I just came to see if they had any oatmeal cookies. And Wei Shen's like, Jin, wait. He's like, I know it's hard to believe, but it's real. I'm not from this world and I need your help. So he tells him he had a dream and a crane told him there is a hero and uh, his guide will find the fourth scroll. So when he first arrived, he saw this mural with a crane because it's a school mascot. He's like, it's a sign. Jin's like, well, I don't know anything and I barely speak Chinese. Wei Shen's like, it's okay. He's like, you know, come to my house and, you know, talk to my guardian and she'll explain everything. He's like, I thought you lived with your, your aunt. And then Travis walks out and Jin's, you know, he he says, you know, talk to him for a second. So Wei Shen says, you know, five o'clock, please. And Jin's like, okay. So he'll go to his, his place at five. Then Travis is like, yeah, we're having a little team hang after practice. So you should come. And he's like, yeah, definitely. So Jin's mom, she goes to this herbalist and she gets acupuncture. Then she talks to this like young girl at the counter named Melly. She has like like piercings and stuff like that. So mom's like, how's college? She's like, oh, I'm taking a year off to focus on my music. And, and Jin's mom's like, oh, that's good for you. Kids should follow their dreams. And, she, and then she's like, what kind of music? And she's like, do you know bubble grunge and like all this stuff? And she's like, no. She's like, it's a little bit of everything. So she's like, oh, but we're packing up and closing the shop because I guess they can't compete with like all the white store owners and, and, and whatever. So there's a party after school. It's a barbecue at Travis's place or something like that. It's just this big pool, all stuff. He he says it's actually his mom's boyfriend's place. Jen talks to Travis and he's like, oh, I feel like we got off on the wrong foot last week. And Travis's like, you mean when you tried to break my neck? He's like, oh no, it's fine. It's like, I'm kidding, we're on the same team now. But it's like, are they really? He's like, can we trust Travis? Uh, Beyond repair show, the, the racist whatever show, Freddie Wong, he's like, Curling a like a clothing iron, and then the, the white dude neighbor, he's like, I don't think that's what they mean by pumping iron. And he's like, Are you sure this is a good idea? And Freddie Wong's like, Why? What could go wrong? He pulls a cord on the iron, causes a pot of plaid on the shelf to fall on his head. So that's supposed to be the joke of the show. So Wei Shen is actually watching a show. Gwynin like it's like putting together an IKEA table, and she's he says, he's like, jins late. And she's like, are you starting to doubt your guide? He's like, no, he'll come. I know he will. He's actually doing like a hot dog eating contest. He only eats five and he's feeling a little sick. Amelia comes up to him and she congratulates him on making the team. And then, you know, she, she, she's like, is there any way I can get a hot dog around here? He's like, well, I think if you like turn me over and shake me a little bit, one might pop out. But then she's like, well, good luck with tonight. Uh, she's like, they do it every year. He's like, do what every year? She just kind of like smiles and walks away. The mom, meanwhile, goes to church and she like volunteers or whatever. She's sorting like donations with the other lady. One talks about like, having sore wrists and, and then she overhears. It's like some of the herbal powder, you know, to talk about that. So, so Jin's mom apparently bought a, some some powder, whatever. Travis asks Jin questions because, you know, they're, they're gathered around uh, and he's like, OK, rapid fire. And one of them is like, what are your hobbies? And he's like, uh, soccer. And this other kid's like, I thought, you know, you like comics and stuff. Jin's like, oh, that was when I was like five. So all these other questions, like, you know, what language you speak? And he's like, oh, a little Chinese, but I know all the words of the pas, pasito. So the last question is like, who are you crushing on right now? And he tries not to answer. And he's like, oh, you have to say it. And then he looks over at Amelia and Travis laughs. like Whoa. And this one kid's like, oh, good to know you have dreams, bro. And Travis's like, yeah. And he's like, who knows? You know, maybe she's into shy mumbling. So then it's this other kid's turn. Jin looks at his phone. It's five fifty-eight. He's supposed to be there at five. Gwainen is happy. You know, she got the coffee table finished because she vowed. She's like, I'm not going to be defeated by Swedish furniture. Wei Shen is like staring out the window, and she wonders if maybe you know he's just searching for a friend. And then he's like, On second thought, if you really believe in this Jin, perhaps you should go find him. So Jin says to Travis that he's going to head out, and Travis is like, Oh, not just yet. So he gets, stands up on something. He talks to everyone. It's time for the team to prove themselves. Time for the, the chump run. And everyone claps. He's like, This year's new chumps are Barry, Cooper, Austin, and Jen. He's like, Boys, take your phones out. For the rest of the night, whatever we text, you got to do with photo evidence within three hours. Fail to complete the task or run out of time, you'll be wearing a jock strap on the outside of your shorts for a week. He's like, the lucky chump who goes above and beyond, they get, and he pulls out the golden cleats. And Amelia kind of gives Jenna like, sorry, you know, sorry for him. Travis like, the chump run is about loyalty, dedication, and proving to us that you'll do whatever it takes to be on a team, which is so stupid. And he's like, now that we know a little bit more about you, well, it's going to suck that much more. Get to running chumps. Tonight, we own you. But it's like, how come the actual team captain, what's his name? He's not even there. He, or he's not even running this. It's like, why, why is Travis in charge of this? So Gwainan hears the wind blow. The door creaks open. There's like no one there. And she looks around Then she smiles and she chuckles. New Mawang is there. And he says like, oh, it's good to see you. And he's like, what brings you here? And she's like, oh, shopping trip, you know, good deal hunting. And he's like, oh, me too. He's like, but I'm hunting for something different. Something I heard was stolen from Wukong by his very own son. He's like, you wouldn't happen to know about that, would you? And she's like, I really don't want to hurt you. In Mandarin, he's like, that's very merciful. God is some mercy. Then in English, she's like, why don't you join our uprising? Help us bring about a new era of change. And she says that she doesn't want change or he doesn't want change. He wants power. And then she holds up a mirror and he like looks away. And and she's like, why so mad? So he looks like you know, he has a different like appearance, like some sort of like animal appearance, something like that. At first, I was like, I thought he was a monkey, but he's not. So he then he tries fighting her, and she like stops him. He's about to like flip her coffee table. She's like, not the, the coffee table. And it's almost like she's like toying with him. So it's kind of like you know, old school kung fu action, and you can tell that they're like on harnesses or whatever, just a way to kind of moving it impossibly, you know impossible to physics type moves and stuff like that At one point he grabs like a box cutter and there's a, a part where she has like several arms that appears and you know she's able to stop him so he's like seething now then he actually turns into a bull so he's he's a bull she pulls out like a red blanket and he like charges and then she like kicks up a pillow to stop him from like smashing a hole in the wall then he like tears a pillow in half he charges again and she like swats him across the room like with the blanket and and then he gets up like panting he says in Mandarin. He's like, you know, once I get the staff, it won't be so easy to stop me. And she's like, mm. she's like, do what you need to do. Just don't mess with my boy. So and he disappears. And she looks at the mess, including like the shattered mirror. So Jin's mom's like, she has like a, a bunch. She's looking at uh, these other jars of herb that she bought, and and she's like showing them to the, the ladies. And she's like, one scoop in water, not tea, it helps tension, headaches, fatigue. And one, it's like, will it help with my ankles? And Jin's mom's like, I don't see why not. Then the lady's like, maybe I should take two bottles. And Jin's like, oh, no, no, I need them for my family, too. And she's like, but I can ask the herbalist for more. The others starts saying, it's like, put me down for one. And it's like that. So then she says, just don't tell everyone. She, you know, the herbalist makes it by hand. So it's like, is she going to start selling this powder, this herbal powder? Jin calls a nudge, saying he needs a huge favor. And is like, well, I'm still at the school. You know, we had a cosplay meeting. And Jin's like, yeah. He's like, I'm outside the school. So he meets up with him. He's like, I need your help. He's like, chump run task number one. You must wear something stupid. He's like, the stupider the better. Anuj, and he's like with two other kids that are like kind of dressed up. He's like, you came to the right place. So Anuj has him put on this big like Pokemon or like Pikachu onesie. And so like the next, he so Jin goes out. The next task is a seeing... Despacito in public. So, because Jin said he knew all the lyrics and, um, so he goes like this public square, there's like this coffee truck, whatever. So he, you know, records himself singing in the onesie. Then he has to collect fountain coins. He has to befriend a parrot. He has to chug a liter of root beer. Cause I think he said he, he hated root beer or something like that. He had to dance like no one's watching. And then the last things like TP the statue at Osito Valley high. Jin just barely misses his mom because he, he goes to the church to steal a bunch of toilet paper from the bathroom and you know she's just like walked by the hall or whatever and then he turns to go a different way and he runs into wei shen so he explains he's like oh i can't really talk because you know i have to wrap a 15 foot statue in the next half hour and wei shen's like it's like oh you know if i help you will you come meet my guardian and Jin's like yeah dude so wei shen's like oh we're gonna need you know more teepee Jin's mom goes back to the shop and she talks to Melly and she hands her some money for uh, her grandma, the shop owner, and she says that you know she bought the powder for herself, but she sold that at her church. And Melly's like, "You sold the whole case in a day." And then Melly's like, "Here, you should take a cut." And Jin's like, "Oh no no, I just want to help your, your grandma. So you know, because she's helped me so many times." And Melly's like, "We'd have to make like a, a hundred times this just to make a dent." Then she asks Melly, "She's like, do you have any more of this herbal powder?" And she's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Like a lot more." So there's like several jars behind this curtain. Jin and Wei Shen are at this other school. There's like this big bear statue in the front. So Wei Shen shows Jin how he found him. He pulls out the the tiny staff from his ear. He's like, this is my Uber. And Jin's like, what, a toothpick? He extends the staff to full size. He runs, like jumps up, like kind of like pole vaulting, lands on top of the bear's head. And Jin's like like shocked. So he tells Jin, he's like, throw me a roll. He throws it, catches it on the end of the staff, starts wrapping it. He's like, give me another, another. So toilet paper is flying and everything like that. Jin's like, oh, it looks excellent when they're finished. Wei Shen's like, like, yeah, you know, he's like, I should do it to the Jade Emperor's palace. Then Jin's like, it's like, yeah, whatever that means. So Jin takes a selfie. Then he's like, so Wei Shen's like, do you believe me now where I come from? He's like, I do. He gets another text. Travis responded with a, a picture of the golden cleats and he's excited. Then Wei Shen's like, you should go with your friends. He's like, you know, we can talk tomorrow. And Jin's like, yeah. He's like, thanks. And he's like, I'm gonna help you find it. Just, you know, whatever you're looking for. And Wei Shen's like, really? Thank you. So Jin leaves, and then there's this whoosh. He's like, so this is what you came here for? Wu Kong grabs the staff because he like kind of stuck it in the in the cement. It's like just sticking up like in a sidewalk. Yeah. Wei Shen's like, give it back. That doesn't belong to you. Mo Wang, he's like, it never belonged to your father e- either. I was curious why you stole it and he's like the fourth squirrel huh and then he's like new muang please and he's like you've been very helpful tonight and then he disappears with the staff so Jin arrives home with the cleats his dad's just like watching tv uh mom's like why are you so late he's like oh just soccer stuff and she's like good day he's like yeah it was a great day actually and she's like me too and she's like looking at jars of the herb stuff he goes to his room he looks at the cleats and the action figure Wei shen comes home Guanin is still cleaning and she's like I told you to take care of the staff it's not a toy and he's like who else knows and then his dad walks out from the other room followed by Pigsy and this lady the dad's like time to go home before you make things worse Guan like take it easy on the boy he's like enough advice from you he caused enough trouble Wei Shen says to her he's like I'm sorry you had faith in me I let you down and she's like it doesn't matter if you let me down it only matters if you let yourself down And then she gives him like a bag she's like, wait, wait, he's like, here, there's a bag with fried rice. She's like, we order too much as usual. And then in this alley, uh, new Mo Wong, he puts like this shard of glass on the end of the staff and it like merges on there and he starts doing some moves. It's like, okay, I don't know what that's about. That's the end of the third episode episode four. So this is one I wasn't super crazy about. I looked on IMDB. It's actually like the lowest rated episode. So it's make a splash. Jin gets woken by a text. He actually has a lot of texts, it turns out. He sees his dad like staring at himself in a mirror, so I don't know if maybe he's thinking about trying to apply for this job that his boss is leaving. At school, everyone's like cheering him, shaking his hand, congratulating you know, as he walks down the hall. In science, they applaud. Amelia sits next to him, she's like, need a partner? And then she's like, that whole TP thing was pretty cool. How'd you do that? And then he like looks at Wei Shen's empty seat and doesn't say anything. So then it cuts in heaven, Wei Shen apologized to his dad for losing the staff. And his dad says, he's like, now, you know, there's a, we're at a bigger risk. He's like, you're grounded for 200 years. He's like, after that, you'll work in imperial, imperial stables like I did. And Wei Shen's like, but I'm not like you. He's like, I never wanted to be you. And this kind of cuts deep, you know, his his dad's like kind of hurt by this so then like this narrator it's like where's this narrator come from we haven't had a narrator he says this is not the first time he heard those these words thousands of years ago before he was even a king he was just a monkey and it was then that he first felt the sting of rejection at of all places the sublime banquet of immortal peaches where they were set to name the next great sage this is a story of confidence friendship ambition and loss so we see a son wukong up here, he appears on the screen with just like some funky music it's like a cheesy tv show intro, um, new, uh, and Guan are, are, there. And then it's like many thousand years earlier. So there's people in line, I think they're like trying to go somewhere in heaven or whatever it's, a, it's supposed to be the sublime banquet. So new and Wu Wukong are there, Guanin approaches them. She's like floating up to him and he was, he's like shy and he, so they, they get up to the front, they get have trouble, um, getting in cause Wukong is not wearing any shoes cause he's a monkey. And you know, he's not, like, a real monkey. He's, like, him with, the like, beard or whatever. And so he was a uh, news plus one. I don't remember if I said that. So a Wukong actually causes distraction. He's got a thing where he can pull, like, a hair and make, like, duplicates. There's this other dude. I forgot who he was. He had, like, a canteen of, like, alcohol. And the guard's like, you can't bring that in there. So he's like, oh, I'm done anyway. So he just finishes, like, the last drop. But then he uh, uh, pulls a piece of hair it fills up the canteen some more. So he has to drink it, he pulls another hair. Whoo, he has to, he keeps to do this for a while. And then he kind of falls over whatever. So they, they sneak in. Wukong is like trying to pump up the, the new. So he's like the bull demon as he, cause he's like, oh, you, you're going to be the next great sage and all this stuff. So he's like, you just have to believe in yourself. So there's, are seeking the dragon king. He's like old he's like, he goes off, you know, for there's like this party banquet thing going up, going on. He's in this room in this chair, Somewhere else, he wants to be moistened by like his assistants, and then uh, the bull demon goes in there. She tries helping, like splash some water, and the, the king's like, "That's the toilet, whatever." So the bull demon wants him to commission a trip to the west for his enlightenment plan or something like that. He basically tells Niu that he doesn't belong there, and then Wu Kong decides to use his strand of hair duplicating trick to make a copy of the Dragon King's cane. And I don't know if the cane is supposed to be the staff. But then, so he makes a copy and he steals the real one. And then in the main area, he gives Bull Demon the cane. He says that he should show everyone who he is. So he goes up on this little like tiny stage. He starts singing and it's not very good. The Dragon King comes out, Wukong drops down like almost on top of him. And he he talks to the crowd. He says a bunch of stuff. You know they're all phonies. You know him too. He says the Dragon King is really a fish. He's like, look at him. Doesn't he look like a dragon? He's like, you know, tight. That ends. And then he like takes has a cane, smashes this big peach. And then the Dragon King laughs. He's like, I've waited ten thousand years for that. Finally, someone is speaking the truth. He's like, you're joking, right? He's like, no, I'm serious. In fact, to prove it, I just might make you the next great sage. Truth is, I hate this place. So do you, which makes you the perfect person to succeed me. And he's like, I don't even want the job. He's like, exactly. So then all all this like bubbles and, you know, starts falling down. Bull Demon's like bum because, you know, he's getting all this uh, like attention and everything. And there's one lady, I think her name is Lady Fan or something like that. She says, she's like, oh, you should visit the Flame Mountain at some time. I don't know if that matters or not. Then Wukong comes up to the Bull King. He's like, what at night, huh? He's like, well, I'll be able to get you in now. You know, there won't be any problem. And he, he's the, the bull demon, whatever, says that he's like, you know, I wasn't even going to bring you tonight because, you know, you always embarrass me. You always do the wrong thing. Then it, then, you know, it starts turning into insults. He, and he's like, you know, maybe you're actually selfish. So, you know, he says, says Wu Kong is selfish. Wu Kong says, he's like, they weren't even going to let us in. And Bull Demon's like, no, they weren't going to let you in. So Wu Kong says, he's like, they don't give awards to the nice guy. He's like, you want something, you have to take it. And he's like, you want to know the truth? He's like, you don't have what it takes to be a great sage. And Bull Demon just like walks away. And he, he turns, he's like, you asked me before if I know who I am. He's like, maybe I don't, but I know who I'm not, you. He's like, I never want to be you. So it seems like Wukong is like not the nicest guy. You know, he did want to help him and everything, but then things turned in his favor and he just like ran with it, I guess. So it's like end credits of this cheesy show. But then it cuts to the present. Wukong tells Wei Shen that, you know, maybe he should go back. You know, he has his own path and he should follow it. And there is someone who might be able to help him. So just be careful. So then we see the the soccer team is about to get on a bus for game. Wei Shen, he calls out, he's like, Jin. And Jin's like, where have you been? He's like, Oh, my dad took me home, but I'm back. He's like, you know, I and good thing I only missed one day. And Jin's like, no, you've been gone for a month. And Wei Shen's like, what? And that's the end of the fourth episode. So the thing is, like I said, um, it's not the best episode. And I think what it was is it didn't really focus on like Jin and Wei Shen. We get this flashback story, which okay, fine, it it fills us in a little bit on on who his uh, way shen's dad is and all that but i don't know i mean i wasn't super crazy about it but that's how it goes so um it looks like i think according to ratings i think the next one or the next one after that might be like the highest rated episode what we'll see so two more um we'll do a couple more next week okay and now the movie feature is spider-man across the spider-verse so like i mentioned earlier I, I love this movie so much. This was such a good movie. I was kind of in a bad mood earlier in the day. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I saw it Thursday. It's, you know, end of the school year. So, I mean, what, what it is, is, is I, I'm, I'm kind of, Bummed to see some of my students leave. You know, I'm, I'm gonna miss some of them, Not not all of them. I, I'll say that here. And, and you know but that that's how it goes. You know that, that's that's the problem with teaching. and it was the same thing when I taught high school. you know you're with these kids for four years and then they're gone. With the middle school, I've had these the same kids for three years, you know, most of them for three years because I'm the only math teacher at a smaller school. And, you know, you, you yeah, you want them to, to leave and everything or, you know, well, yeah, some of them you want to leave, but, you know, you want them to move on. They need to move on to the next stage of their life. So anyways, there, there's that stuff. And then there's also the parts that because it's end of the school year, some kids are not you know behaving as well as they should be. So, you know, that's annoying. There, there's a lot of stuff. And then there's like other stuff going on that I'm dealing with that I wouldn't normally talk about. But, you know, so I, I'm, I am dealing with a lot right now. And so I wasn't in the best mood, but watching this movie, I mean, it's just it, it's such such a, a good movie. It's a long movie. You know, it's, it's 140 minutes. So two hours and 20 minutes. You know, they, they say it's the longest theatrical animated release, but it doesn't feel super long. And, and I guess when you look at it, two hours and 20 minutes, you know, that's that's a standard for a lot of movies. But for an animated movie, that's super long. I mean, you're lucky to get, a, you know, 90 minutes, you know, a, a, of an animated movie. So throughout this, you, it doesn't really feel like it, it drags. You know, there, there, were, it was, there was a couple times where I'm like, part of me I was wondering is like, how much more are we gonna have? And I don't mean that in a bad way, it's because I want it to keep going. And, you know, and part of me is like, like, okay, is it about to end? Am I gonna, should I get ready for, you know, it to be over and then be sad because I want it to keep going? But, you know, you don't really you just get so into it and there's just a lot to it. And, you know, the first movie into the Spider-Verse was 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 great. But I feel like this is almost on another level. Like, you know, of course, the next day after watch, people are like, which one was better than the first? I hate to compare, but I'd have to say that, that this one is better. And, and part of the thing is, you know, the first one deals with like intro, you know, origin stuff, you know, who is Miles and getting his powers. But, you know, that's such an important movie. You know, I've watched the movie so many times and I, you know, I, I'd watch it again. You know, there's there's I, I, it's just the first one's such a great movie as well. But what I think I like about this one is it, it feels a little more sophisticated. There's there's more, you know, the, the first one had a little more humor. This one, you know, there's some funny stuff, you know, stuff with Spot and everything. And, but I feel like, you know, as much as I like Spider-Ham, as much as I can appreciate Spider-Ham, it kind of got a little jokey. And even Spider-Man Noir, you know, I love Nick Cage, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's a little too jokey-jokey. And even, you know, the, the Peter B. Parker, sometimes that was a bit much. Even though it's, it's a great movie, you, know, you take that and so And so this is just, it has a different vibe to it. Things get a little more emotional, a little more serious. I absolutely love the fact, and this isn't really a spoiler, I don't think, but I love that this opens up with, with Gwen. It starts off with looking at, at Gwen's story. Like, what is Gwen doing in her universe and, and Mar- the universe 65, you know, and then just like stuff with her dad? And I'm trying to remember, it's like, did they really touch on her origin in the first movie if you've read the comics you absolutely know her story you know you know what her deal is and 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 you know this is what i mentioned earlier about the tragedy you know you know what she lost who she lost and everything so we you know seeing it here and you you really feel for her and and then there's stuff with miles where you know he's he's spider-man now in his his universe but he misses gwen you know he he misses peter And he's kind of alone, you know, because he he has no weight. They're in different dimensions. How is he supposed to talk to them? It's not like he can't call them or anything. So, you know, you have part of that. And there's stuff with him growing, you know, getting older and, you know, college and, you know, thinking about stuff like that and stuff with his parents. And so there's just like there's a lot of great character development, just a lot of great writing. And, you know, this one of the things that it got me thinking, you know, with with the writer's strike and stuff going on that you know we have all these great characters you know we have miles we have gwen we have peter we have uh, you know miguel o'hara spider-man 2099 we have all the other versions but it's like it, it does go to say yeah you have these really cool awesome legacy characters and you know recent character whatever but if they weren't written well it wouldn't be a movie you know i Spider-Ham was not my favorite thing in the first movie. I love the fact that Spider-Man Ham was included. I absolutely love that. I kind of didn't like the way he was written. It was fine. wasn't my favorite part of the movie. I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. So here, I'm, I, it got me thinking. You know, with the writer strike, it's like this is such a well-written movie. It's like these characters are just, you know, it's so, and just a the situation them growing. Like the when Miles is talking to his mom, or, or Gwen is talking to her dad, and it's just, and and even like the stuff with with Miguel with with uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. You know, you, you hear like you know what is his his thinking and stuff like that. So there, there's just some like you know kind of heavy stuff that that happens here. So you have all that, you know, there's a lot of seriousness, there's a lot of emotion. You know, I, I got misty eyed. And again, my emotions are just like out of whack late, lately. You know, I still say the fact that like Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like I, I teared up over CG baby raccoons. It's like, come on, they're not even real. And I'm, and I'm like starting to cry. But, you know, there there is a lot of emotion here with, with these characters because, you know, you, you come to care and maybe because, you know, I've seen the first movie so many times, you know, and I feel like, the, you know, these versions of this character, even though, you know, you see them in the comics and all that, I feel like, you know, I've really gotten to know them and care about them. So there's just, like, so much going on here. And then speaking of so much going on, there's so many cameos. And there's, like, some cool things and some things that are just total, you know, um, fan service or whatever. You know, seeing this this version or that version. So that's really cool. That makes me, man, I was like, I wish I could pause it. I wouldn't say, like, just to try to take everything. There's just so much to see. So this is definitely a movie that like you, you feel like you're going to want to watch over and over again. But, man, it, it's just... There was just so much going on and it was just really cool. And um that's just the animation. It was you know, it's uh, I was worried about the different styles and I thought, oh, maybe they're gonna go in a different dimension, so things are gonna change out. But there's like some stuff like like even like spider punk, you know, the way he looked sometimes and um I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about spider punk. He the spider punk that we get here feels different than the spider punk that we've had in the comic. And I really kinda like I really liked his his demeanor, his attitude, and and just his delivery. Uh, I I just think I I really loved Hobie in, in this movie, and you know I've always thought he's a cool character. I I, I loved like that concept of Spider Punk, but the way he was here is just just amazing. And uh, um, Spot was was cool, you know, cooler than I thought. When I'm, I'm like, w- why why Spot, you know. And Ben Riley was cool was fine. I feel like he kind of got chumped at one point, but that's fine. not as bad as Marvel has been doing to him for the past twenty years or whatever. so it was just it's just it's it's really really good and um I don't really know how much more I can say without spoiling things it's just it's it's an amazing movie and um you know as I said, this is something that. I, I, I want to see it again and part of it because at one point when you see all the different characters you know it, it, it kind of tells you like who who they are like what their world is you know there, there's like little boxes that come up because it's, it's it's a comic book movie and it makes sense that you should have stuff like that you know like let us know who all these characters are but part of it is like you know boom it's like it's almost like too fast and there's one point there's like boom boom because there's like multiple people and stuff like that so it's a uh, I, I, I definitely, you know, it, it's something that you're going to want to watch and pause, just take in. And it's just the, the, visuals are just so, so cool. And, you know, it was kind of fun watching in a theater with other people and seeing them react to certain things. Cause like, I'm trying to remember there was something, I don't think it was Peter parked car. Cause there, there's basically, it's like the spider mobile that can talk. It's like a sentient spider mobile. That's Spider-Man. And I, I there's something like that where again, if you've read the comics, you, you know, you, you've, you've seen that, but there's people that, that kind of reacted to that. And there, there was something else. I don't I don't I don't think it was Spider Rex. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was, but it, it was, it was kind of and, and that that's where I always think it's interesting when people complain about certain things that they're doing. Uh, like the whole James Gunn thing that I mentioned earlier about how people are like, he shouldn't have said anything because then people people didn't go see Shazam because of that. I, I don't agree. I feel like you know, going to the movie every single week, going to all, a lot of these big movies, I feel like a lot of people that go there, they're into the movies. They don't know the intricacies that people who are so invested in the comics or whatever, they don't know all that. So I'm sure there's a lot of people when they went to see Shazam, they probably have no there's probably people who have no idea who James Gunn is. They may have seen Guardians of the Galaxy. They may not know that he's a director. They, they don't pay attention. Some people don't care about things like that. And they should, because you know, people deserve the credit and the respect and all that. But a lot of people just want to go because it's about the characters and the, and the entertainment. So when you're saying that, like, oh, they, I, just, I, I feel like that is like beneath some people's radars, that that's not what they focus on. They just want to go, like, here's my money, where's my popcorn, I want to watch the movie. So it's interesting to see that because the other thing that that was was kind of surprising to me is, as you probably maybe are aware, this is a part one. It ends with a to be continued because when the movie got delayed, it was supposed to come out last year. I forgot if it was October. When was it? They said, okay, it's going to be delayed. That's a bad news. The good news is we're going to do a part one and part two because there's so much to the story to tell. And that's even surprising. The fact that this is two hours and 20 minutes and there's still so much more to tell, that's awesome. That's amazing that, that there's just, you know, they're so invested in this rather than just try to crank out a story and say, okay, here we go. Give me my money. But it was weird because when they announced that, it was all over the news that the, this there's going to be part one, part two. They released a trailer that even said part one, I'm pretty sure, right? And then when the, the, there's like people like, uh, oh, uh, oh. You know, no, you know, there's like kind of not like mad, but just like, kind of like, oh man, you know, the story, we are not gonna know how it ends. And yeah, that's a bummer, but that just means we're getting more. Now, I don't know when, when more, I looked up on INDB, it says March, 2024. It's expected. I thought it was gonna be at least two years. I could be wrong. Is it gonna be next year? Maybe that they're so invested and they're like, okay, this story has gotten longer than we thought. We can't tell the whole thing and it's, it's getting long as it is, but we're still working on it. So we just have to push the, you know, do the second half. Uh, give us another year. We can finish it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I guess I could look it up, but that would be that would be too, too much. Right. <laughs> so I see. Okay. Um, a third film was confirmed when Lord Miller revealed in December 2021 that the introduced Spider-Verse sequel was being split into two films. See, 2021, they announced this um across the spider-verse part two is expected at that point to release 2023 and april 22 is retitled beyond the spider-verse given yeah march 29th 2024 so we'll we'll see if that's going to happen so i i mean now i feel like i'm just rambling i don't know how much more there is to say it's it's a fantastic movie and i you know I, I love Miles, and, and you know Mar- Miles is such a great character, you know, just everything, you know, I, I love the dynamic with him and his mom and his dad and everything, but there's something about Spider-Gwen that I, I just, I, I love that we got to see more of her, and just, just all the characters are just so cool, uh, I, I cannot wait to see this again, I can't wait for the, the next one, so definitely this is something that you're going to want to see in a theater, don't just, oh wait till it's, it's I don't know if it's going to be streaming, the first one's not streaming anywhere, and I think it's like, like on Fuby or Fubo or one of those for like free things with ads. But, you know, I, I just you see it in a big screen. It's, it's such a visual, gorgeous masterpiece that you should see it there. So that, that's just my thoughts on it. On that, I think that's going to be it. I mean, I, I, there's nothing more, more to say. I loved it. It was great. You know, and the voice acting was great. The animation is great. The writing was great. Everything was great. <laughs> so that's going to be it for this week. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash Heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Recently talked about John Burns, Fantastic Four from 1985. Uh, I'm going to talk about doing off of mind this week. Um sometimes I, I have a movie that I've been wanting to talk about that I saw recently. So 30 minutes more podcast, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. What is gonna happen next week? So we're gonna I'll probably try to do two more episodes of American Born Chinese. Um, there's only going to probably be one episode of silo. Cause I think issue six is out now. I mean, I could try to do f- six and so, but I'm just going to do, so I'm going to be like, like half a week behind or whatever it is. Um, there'll probably be another Superman and Lois. And then that might be it, you know, so I, I could, uh, I could, you know, this is my last week of school coming, you know, this week. So, you know, I got it. it's going to be crazy. Just, you know, graduation and, and stuff like that. I got to write a speech. I got to finish my speech. I kind of wrote it already. But yeah. Oh, and I don't know if I mentioned the movie feature. The main feature is going to be Transformers, uh, Rise of the Beasts, Beasts, whatever it's called. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, other than that, uh, I, that, I there's nothing else for me to say. So I, I thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a better time than I'm having with certain things. I hope you're taking care of yourself and taking care of others. I hope you remember, be good to each other.